Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Top of the morning to you. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program where we give you the tools, the information you need to grow a healthier, happier life. Good morning to you. You know, it's easy to, uh, you know, just listen to the news and then sit there thinking, well, okay, now what? And on this program, we try to give you a little bit uh, deeper, I don't know, not deeper. <laughs> Many people wouldn't say we're deeper. We just give you different analysis. You like it's my, different, yes. You like my asthmatic laugh? Yeah, and we were wondering, should that. we call someone, get no. you some professional help? Nah, I'm good. I don't need to breathe. It's just, just a funny way to laugh. But it comes naturally. It's a cartoon from when I was a kid. It was. Yeah, what was that cartoon? It was a dog, like <laughs> smugly or snurkly or I don't know. Yeah, we got to look that up. I'll look it up so we can well, reference then, you accordingly. Well, then we ought, to, we ought to get some really good bites of the asthmatic okay. laugh. Okay. Hey, I uh, spent the weekend, well, I was spring breaking. You drove. I drove four hours to have spring break. Uh, my family had had the entire week spring breaking. I don't know what we call that. Celebrating spring break, partying. Taking advantage of the break that happens in the spring. Yeah, we don't party or yeah celebrate. So uh went down, hung out with my family. Tons of fun. Got to see all of my kids' friends. Who were all at the same place you were. Uh-huh. They, like, I walked in. Right when I walked in, there's just dozens of people in my house. It was weird. I'm like, who are you? Do, I, do you know my son? You're like, I didn't create you. Get out of my house. <laughs> How did you get here? When our kids were younger, it was so much easier because it was just our little family. We would just celebrate. We'd go on these trips. And now it's our family and 20 other kids yeah. at least. Each, And then they come in packs and you just see these packs of kids wandering all over the place. They I'm eat, getting old. And they eat your food. Yeah. They drink your drinks. Yeah. Can, they just consume everything uh-huh. in their path. They're like, can you take us here? Can you take us there? Can you drive us here? And I'm like, when I was a kid, we walked. Just start walking. They're like, yeah, but it's too far to walk. It's not. How many miles is it? It's eight miles. You'll be fine. It's fine. You'll get there in a couple hours. I walked eight miles to school every day. It's funny. I've never gone back and clocked that. I I don't know if it was eight. It was a mile for me. It felt like eight, but it was a mile. Well, when you have little legs, it's like eight. It is eight. So my kids, you know, we had fun. By the way, I'm still wearing my Fitbit, my ex, what do they call it? Our health fitness watch, my health fitness band. There you go. I'm wearing it every day, loving it. It's even telling me about my sleep. Holy mm. cow. You're not sleeping, are you? Uh, no, apparently mm-hmm. I've got bladder issues. Whoa. Because it tells me when I got up, which was good. Oh, okay. Even though I remember when I got <laughs> like, up. Like, that's really in depth. Yeah. Oh, wait. And it tells me uh, that I, you know, I'm, I'm getting, when I work, I get about five hours of sleep. During the week, I get about five hours of sleep. When I'm on vacation, I get about eight hours of sleep. It's about me. That's about the, what I get. It's pretty nice. and yeah. But I love but it still. Didn't you know that before? I, I did, but okay. I, did, I didn't know exactly how much. It even tells me when I'm restless in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I don't Are, know when that is. How's that going to change your behavior? 
It, you know what? It, it already has. Oh. I, I'm drinking a ton of water. I'm like 12 days straight of 64 plus ounces of water. You should probably have more than that. I know, but, but I'm drinking a lot of diet beverage still. <laughs> okay. But I'm actually drinking less, so that's helping. I'm exercising. I'm at 10,000 steps a day now. Yeah. Every day. And if I'm like to 8,000, then I'm like, let's go play ball. Yeah. You want to do a little extra? Do a lot extra. My foot, sure, my foot is throbbing, but I don't care. I'm going to work till it, my, until my foot explodes. You need to cut it off. Until I, I might have to. I'm, Your I'm foot's becoming it. useless. It's, it kind of is. But I'm waiting. I've got a doctor that will be home. He's coming from uh, an LDS mission, and he's supposedly the best. And he's going to fix my plantar. He has the sharpest hacksaw? He's got a, a acupuncture. He'll do the whole thing. Oh, okay. Thing. He'll stick needles in me. He'll electrocute me. Oh, wow. He'll do what he's got to do, he said. Like a taser? He'll tase me. Nice. He'll tase my foot. Video it? Mm-hmm. We'll put it on the website. So that's – but that's not till June. Oh. So I'm just going to work it till June. I'm going to blow my foot up. All right. It sounds like a plan. It sounds like a excellent – I climbed a mat. I climbed lava flow, a petrified lava flow. <laughs> it was wow, really cool. So I ran to the top. We showed really. We made videos of. Did you do the rocky jump at the top? Kind look, of, look at me. Look, but the video, it looks like because it's an optical illusion. It looks like you're jumping off a cliff. Right. And we made a really cool video. Right. We're, we're doing a lot of videos as a family. Of course. I let my son drive home. My 18-year-old son, who never so took your life he in your hates own hands, driving. Right? Yeah, I, I let him drive. I sat in the back seat, and then I pretty much drove from the back seat. <laughs> it was amazing. You can, who says you can't backseat drive? Because I drove. What's well, your car? It was my car, and I'm like, oh, you might want to slow. Oh, speed up. Yep, 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 yep. Up, 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 up. Left. Okay, there you go. And he's like, I know, Dad. I know. He was very relaxed. His friend was with him in the front seat, and I just worked on a paper all for four hours straight. Except got nowhere. Not a paper, an article. <sighs> anyway. So I now need a vacation. Come back to work. I had a very stressful <laughs> vacation. Uh, not a lot of recreation or recreation. Didn't recreate anything. Just need now need a vacation. <sighs> anyway, what'd you do? So while you were gone. Yeah, anything new? Hillary Clinton finally declared. She's in. She released a video. We have a clip of it here. Everyday Americans need a champion, and I want to be that champion. So you can do more than just get by. You can get ahead and stay ahead. Because when families are strong, America is strong. You know, politics. Okay, I have a few issues there. Okay. Uh, Everyday Americans need a champion. Right. And so we're going to take a one percenter to be the Let's take somebody who's in no way an everyday American. Absolutely. And let's make her our champion. I was telling you before the show... She hasn't driven a car in 20 years. Yeah. I feel like I can relate to that. Isn't that interesting? But you know what? People will buy it. Yeah. Because they they went from rags to mega riches via politics. Yes. Exactly what we want our politicians to do. So uh, they're also – her chief of staff notes that Clinton will travel to early primary states, Iowa and New Hampshire, in the next couple of days. There will also be a formal kickoff event next yeah. month. She's in a bus, isn't she? Is that what she's doing? That's what they she's driving. Uh, Marco Rubio expected to declare his presidential run later tonight. Yeah, he's trying to let the Hillary uh, news cycle kind of run its course, and then he yeah. can be the news cycle tomorrow. Rand Paul didn't spare any time. He added anti-Hillary merchandise to his campaign store, <laughs> uh, alongside products like "Don't Drone Me, Bro" T-shirts and the anti-NSA webcam slider 
plastic yeah, dealio that we talked about last week. I've got two of those. He's offering a Hillary hard drive, a fake $99, 100% genuine, erased, clean, forever email server. <laughs> it's just a brick of metal, but if you want it and you want to pay for it, it's there for you. Ted Cruz has four new super PACs announcing they've raised a staggering $31 million to support him. The super PACs in question are only a week old. And it's unprecedented to have raised so much money so quickly. The New York Times identifies the main player behind the Super PACs as a reclusive Long Islander named Robert Mercer, Mm. who runs a hedge fund, of course, called Renaissance Technologies, Hmm. which is just as generic as you can make it as a name. That uh, organization is under investigation by the IRS, which happens to be an organization Cruz would like to shut down. So (laughs) it's a match made in heaven there for them all. I think pretty much everyone would like to shut the IRS down. Yeah. But you can't. They serve a purpose. They serve a purpose. They're doing – they're really I've, – I've spoken with uh, large groups of the IRS agents in, in a professional way, not – I wasn't being audited. Right. But they're very professional. They're incredible. They're public servants. So don't hate them because of their title. Yeah. It's just the IRS. With the, well, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to collect the taxes so right. that we can function as a country. So. It's like a board operator on this radio show. Without – James, nothing would happen. I mean, a lot of people don't like him, but without him, we'd be dead. He's tolerated. Yeah. James had a big weekend, by the way. Yep, sure did. Two uh, wedding showers. Yes, two wedding showers, and I had the joy of going to both of them. What does one do at a wedding shower? What does the husband do? You kind of just stand on a pedestal and turn slowly. Really? Yeah. Like Like some meat on a... Spit is that what it's called? Like is that you're just like rotating like a rotisserie chicken? Yes, exactly. Interesting. I waited, came at the end, collected all the stuff, and went home. Yeah, I like that. That's what I did. I had a truck, so we just loaded it all in the back yeah. and then drove home. That's what did I they <laughs> do? They say, "Hey, pal, flex." Do they make you like flex? Yeah, yeah. It it was it was kind of traumatizing, actually. Are you okay? Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Well, probably later. I mean, I'm here. I'm a doctor. I'll help you. That that'd probably be helpful. You look. You seem sad. <laughs> I'm actually really happy. Did Nineteen you cash days in? left. Nineteen days left. Yes. But who's counting on I'm, the you know the countdown to the millennial wedding of the millennium? Yeah, and you know at four twenty this afternoon, it's going to be eighteen days, twenty three hours, and you know four twenty is the designated hour. Yes, and minute. Oh, it's going to be a great time. I still haven't received an invite. Those are actually going out this week. Okay, because I'm getting worried. Yeah, so and you I might haven't. Get one. And my tux fitting. I need to know when to get the tux. Fitting. Yeah, we're still working on that. We're we're okay. finding a place for you. I mean, huh? it's hard to find a place that's that has an upscale enough tuxes for you. Yeah, so. yeah. I didn't like the frilly one you had, like the frilly shirt. Well, we need to get you long enough tails. We find that no, most yeah. of them are usually like two feet. We're looking for more. I don't know, five, six feet tails. <laughs> like a train tail. I need. I don't need a train. You sure? Yeah. If I just had uh, just tails, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like train tails. No, just just a tail. No train. Okay. Train well, train tend to be for the brides. Not the not the. I just wanted the, the tux to be special for you. So. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Are we still going with uh, pink tuxes? Your, yes, your tux will be pink. Not everyone's. Just yours. Lucky, lucky. Well, I'll be there shooting video and uh, sending it out to everybody on Twitter. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. You're not going to want to miss that. 
Hey, we're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, coming up, uh, our insider, our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, will be joining us. We're going to be talking politics as we do every Monday morning and following up on all of the great uh, shows from Sunday the, and find out a little bit more about Hillary's running and the impact that's going to have on the political race. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break. So I'm hitting the road to earn your vote because it's your time. And I hope you'll join me on this journey. You bet, Hillary. I'll be right with you. Hillary Clinton, it's in. She's in the race. It's official. She's running for president. She is going to uh, be our champion. Everyday Americans need a champion. Hillary Clinton is officially in the race. We wanted to bring on our uh, Washington insider, Joe Cannon, is joining us. He uh, has a great resume for politics and just for, you know, being in the know. He is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and also was a candidate for the U.S. Senate in 1992, served as chairman of the Utah Republican Party and also as editor of the Deseret uh, News and uh, we we welcome him. He's on the way again to the airport, flying out to go change the world and create more fuel freedom. Joe Cannon, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> thanks for fighting the good fight for fuel freedom. Thanks. Uh, talk to us. You heard about Hillary Clinton. She's in the game. What what are you? Of what's course, your yeah. initial take? Well. Uh, you know, she she had a really tough time uh, thinking about what to do. Barack Obama, no one knew, so he could do he could write on a clean you know clean sheet of paper. Yeah, uh, Hillary is known, you know, a very known commodity. You know, probably near a hundred percent name ID. So she didn't need the the glitz of a big uh, you know a, a big you know flashy. Um, announcement and and she didn't do that you know she did it fairly I mean she she did a video I mean she, it wasn't like she didn't do anything but it, right. was, it was not it wasn't the big flashy go because the, the truth is what she needs to do is make sure all the Democrats vote for her and then and then galvanize to the maximum extent she can her base uh, and, and more particularly Barack Obama's base. Uh, that's what she needs to, to do to win. Is and, she uh, is she as exciting? I mean, I guess this is the thing to me. She seems inevitable. Like she's got there's almost this air of inevitability. Is is she is she going to have a hard race? Because I also am not sure I see anybody that can take her on yet from the right. Republican. Yeah, I mean, party. the only the only two people who are even talking about it at this point are you know Senator Jim Webb, who yeah. appeals. More to in some ways to uh, Republicans than, than Democrats, though he's, he's a, clearly a Democrat. And then Martin O'Malley, Martin O'Malley from uh, former governor of Maryland. Now, you know, uh, being being there is is a very large part of life, and he's there, and he is right now the not Hillary. Mm-hmm. And so it just it'll be everything's going to obviously depend on on how they do. In Iowa, which is you know less than a, less than a year away, but still, 
a long way away. And he hasn't announced either, although I'm, I'm pretty sure one of my blue and insider blue friends tells me he's again ready to go. Is he? He's gearing he up. O'Ma- he O'Malley, yeah, yeah. Is uh, what's with the announcement? Why does she feel so compelled to announce anyway? She's she's not necessarily having anyone run against her yet. It seems like it might be better to lay low. Yeah, except in her case, it's uh, tough to lay low. She's famous. She's she's uh, you know people know know about her. So I think uh, one of the criticisms that lots of uh, Democrat insiders had about her press conference at the UN was that. Didn't it didn't look like she was campaign ready, and that's probably because she wasn't campaign ready. She didn't have a team. She didn't. She didn't have the people advising her and you know uh, guiding her. She didn't have the uh, kind of the rapid, famous Clinton uh, rapid response team. So I think the, the just the physical fact of getting organized. There are you know the whole federal election law applies to all of this, so you have to comply with that. And I think. To be really ready for Hillary, she needed to be a candidate and and start putting that team in place. Yeah, does um, can she pull off the populist tone, um, the everyday American, and she's going to fight for us? You know, somebody that hasn't driven a car in twenty years, uh, somebody that um, you know made millions, hundreds of millions of dollars by being a politician. How does she pull that off? Uh, that's going to be tough. I mean, uh, the the fact is, if you like Hillary, she can do nothing wrong. If you don't like Hillary, she can do nothing right. That's <laughs> true. So the the margin, she's going after the margin of her base and trying to excite them and turn them out. So, you know, she's not going to appeal to the forty five percent of the people who are always going to vote Republican, right. or whatever that number is. Uh, so her her messages are going to be couched much more in progressive, uh, populist, uh, liberal terms to try to capture uh, and excite the Barack Obama base. Hmm. Is um... she's not she's not trying to win votes in um, you know Idaho or yeah. South Dakota or you know she's 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 only focusing on a very narrow slice of voters in five to eight states. That's what she's doing. I mean, I guess that's pretty much the case, right? Like a Florida, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, those those states that you just got to carry right. to win. Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah. Is interestingly in all of her announcement, not nothing. Not a not a lick of Bill Clinton, not a word. Is is Bill a liability to her or an advantage? You know, as often happens in life, mm-hmm. sometimes your greatest liabilities can turn into your, I mean, your greatest asset can also be your greatest liability. I know you probably know right. people like that. Yeah. And, and, and for her, Bill Clinton is a huge asset for her. But she's got to run as a new person and a new new ideas, new themes. And it's pretty hard to do that when your husband was elected president, you know, 30-odd years ago. Yeah. It's so Uh, true. Well, and he's so so dynamic and so charismatic that it's almost like, I don't know, you don't want to bring him out too early or there will be a big contrast between you and your partner. 
So I don't know if you saw the Saturday Night Live skit. I heard all about of her, it. Her, her, her announcement. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Bill's kind of peeking up, peeking around all the time. That's their biggest fear is, is, is that he'll appear that way. Yeah. And I think there there are some people who actually felt that uh, felt that he actually damaged her in the primaries uh, against Barack Obama last time. So, yeah. Yeah, last time. So I think there, you're going to see a lot more care given to when and how Bill appears. By the way, still probably very largely decided by him. Mm-hmm. He, one thing about him is he is a meister politician. Yeah, yeah. And one thing about her is she's not. Yeah. I, I, I think I've been completely unbiased in saying that. Everyone on her side worries about her capacity to actually be a politician. There's one thing to be a leader and one thing to be a secretary of state, and, you know, but to actually... The one time she's had a hard race, she lost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to, to just to think that she can go, you know, do her appearances, go city by city, town by town, kind of for the next six months, just show that she's the everyday person. But on the side, send Bill Clinton out in her behalf. Holy cow. And and her daughter, Chelsea, for that matter. I mean, it's a it's sure. a pretty Powerful big team. Surrogate. Yeah. Powerful surrogates for her. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Let's take a break. We're talking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. He's giving us his take on uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, recent announcement. When we come back, we're going to get into also a little bit more about Rand Paul, some of his, uh, I don't know, his taking on of the media. Man, he's starting to get a bad reputation. Marco Rubio will be declaring tonight as well. We'll get into all of that. Um, Plus, I want to find out what he thinks about uh, President Obama and Cuba. Some uh, some news over the weekend there. We'll take a break. We'll be right back after the break right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's the show where we try to give you uh, the tools you need to make better decisions in your life. Today, as always, on Monday morning, we we do a little bit of review of the weekend's politics and everything going on in the political world. Uh, Joining us on the phone is our Washington insider, Joe Cannon. Joe is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. If you go to fuelfreedom.org, you can find out more information about his organization, trying to do what they can to decrease the costs of fuel in the United States. Um, he also was a candidate for the U.S. Senate, served as an assistant administrator to the U.S. Uh, EPA agency from 1983 to 85, and was editor of the Deseret News. Uh, Joe, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, Matt. Thanks. Are, are you on your way out again, flying out this morning? I am. I'm flying back to the depending on how you look at it, the heart of darkness or <laughs> place of light, i.e. Washington, D.C. Oh, I thought you were talking about New York. <laughs> well, I will be in New York one day this week. You're going to yeah. both of them. Well, yeah. um, it's, I think it's, it's fun. It's always fun to have you on the show. What, what do you think? This is an interesting uh, issue with Hillary Clinton. She's now in the race officially. Um, she is going to be pushing big time the glass ceiling. She's, you know, she bro- she's breaking the glass ceiling very, uh, very much. It seems like going to be uh, a race focused on gender 
and gender politics, really. And is is it possible for, you know, one of the 16 male potential candidates out of the GOP to take on a female candidate that is as powerful, probably the most well-known female in the world, um, some would say, how do you how do you politic against gender? Well, it's uh, you know it's tough. It's obviously it's it's a it's a hard thing because she owns that issue, and there's no question that yeah. she owns that that issue at least at least from a you know a, as a woman. Now, not all women vote exactly the same way, so you've got even categories uh, within uh, the the women vote, but. Even among the set of people, a set of women who would normally vote Republican, you're going to have women who say, wow, first woman president. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's absolutely crucial to her campaign. If she didn't have that, uh, she wouldn't have much, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> that, right. That, that's, that's the defining aspect of her campaign. And it's, I mean, and then she would talk about her history as um, a secretary of state doing a lot for women in the world. Um, so I contrast that to like Rand Paul right now, who is for some reason taking on every major media interview and 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 turning mad. He's he's getting mad at a lot of these reporters that are interviewing him. Um, what do you think about what Rand Paul's been doing in the news? Well, uh, he's got the op- not quite the opposite problem, but he's not nearly as well known. Yeah. I mean, all- Really, I haven't seen national, uh, you know, ID questions on, on how, how many people really know him. But, you know, it's not very big. Right. We're talking about a, a junior senator from Tennessee. Granted, he had a famous, kind of a famous father who made a big name, and so that gives him a little bit of a leg up. But he has got to establish himself as his own guy out there. And so to do that, he's got to do media. You notice... Almost the instant he announced, he's in front of the media, even uh-huh. though he knows they're going to be hostile to him. Uh, you know, it was everyone noted the sort of absence of any questions. I mean, one, one of the things Hillary got out of announcing the way she did is, oh, she didn't have to talk to any of those pesky reporters. Uh-huh. And um, but but she has the luxury of doing that. She, she's she's and she's yeah, her her idea is so high. So Rand Paul, A, had to do it. B, is he kind of thin-skinned? He might be a little bit thin-skinned. On the other hand, uh, many Republicans feel that when they go into these interviews, they're going into hostile territory. I mean, just try a thought experiment. Would Hillary have been asked the same questions, the same with the same edge to them right. as Rand Paul was with, with those very same interviewers? And the answer is almost certainly no. Yeah. Now, having said that, Hillary really doesn't like the press, and there are plenty of people who really don't like her. So she's not going to get, I don't believe, she's going to get the Barack Obama treatment. So when, when President Obama ran, you know, wow, he was a figure. He was uh, uh, just incredibly charismatic, not known, and, uh, of course, the first African-American. So mm-hmm. you, you have... Um, I think Rand Paul had to do what he did, Probably he could have handled things, you know, a little. Just just think of how Reagan handled those kind of things. Yeah, he just kind laughs at him. Right. Smile, laugh at him. You know, uh, 
it could be that Senator Paul needs a little of that. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because there's the history of Mitt Romney kind of being pegged as the flip-flopper. And um, now every one of those, all of these candidates do not want to go have to start out with the concept of being a flip-flopper. And anyway, I mean, it just seems right. like, you know, I, I guess that's the benefit of a Hillary Clinton can avoid the media now for the next two or three weeks. She's not doing any interviews. She's just going to go meet the people and uh, get back in the game. Uh, Rand Paul, but Marco Rubio, I'm sure when he declares tonight – uh, he's he's going to to have you know a lot of press on him as well. A lot of junior senators coming uh, in, right? And the funny thing about the junior senator, uh, oh, you all right there, Joe? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yep. I thought you got all this traffic mad at you because you're driving so crazily. No, I'm not driving. I'm not driving <laughs> right know, now. That, that, would, that would be wrong. That would be horrible. Exactly. <laughs> um, so you've got all these junior senators, and it's and and it seems like you know they're going to have a lot to prove. In, in order to, to get anywhere. What do you think about Marco Rubio entering in the, the race tonight? Well, just on the comment of junior senators running, we have a junior senator president of the United States right now. Right. And all of these junior senators are getting much harder questions than he got when he ran. And they're asking, you know, some of these interviewers are saying, gee, can you do foreign policy yeah. as, a, as a young senator? Can you do this? Can you do that? Well, Obviously, we got have a guy who's doing it, like right now. Yeah. So that their comeback is, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, as I qualified at least as well as as, as President Obama did. Yeah. I, I will just say, I know I'm offending lots of people, including some friends. I think one of the problems with a junior senator or a senator at all is they really. I don't want to say they haven't done anything. They've done amazing work for their country. They do. They're wonderful legislators. But, man, many of our best presidents have served as yeah. governor or vice president uh, before. And there's there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, everyone points out that we've had some presidents who were not so great, who were governors. But that that's an extreme minority yeah. when, when you look at, uh, you know, some of the really great presidents. Is um, is there an advantage to Marco Rubio? You know, a child of Cuban uh, parents um, with the Hispanic world, it seems like there might be an advantage to a Marco Rubio as a candidate, though. I think Senator Rubio has a lot going for him. He does deal with the press in a very different way. He's a, he's a very charismatic speaker. He's got a great personal story. I think he would be a great vice presidential candidate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, don't you think? I mean, it's maybe that's it. Maybe the junior senator, uh, maybe that's what they're all vying for. It's just, I guess, we still have yet to see any real front runner that, I don't know, that can handle and has the name recognition of a Hillary Clinton. Speaking of Cuban Americans um, or Cuba, Barack Obama and Raul Castro held their first face-to-face talks uh, this last weekend. What's your take on that? So we have President Obama speaking and, and negotiating with Iran, an avowed enemy historically, right? And now Castro. What's going on? Well, I would I would divide those issues up pretty significantly. Uh, in my own personal view, is I'm, I'm pretty much on the side of the folks who think Iran is a disaster, uh, and our what we're doing there could end up as a huge potential to be a disaster for us and for 
the Middle East. Cuba's a different story. I mean, I unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember when <laughs> Fidel Castro was not in charge of Cuba. Uh, so I, I remember the, quote, agrarian revolution, close quote, that ended up impoverishing and making miserable the lives of virtually everybody in Cuba, except a very special elite. Um, on, the, on, on the one hand, on, on the other hand, I think the president says something that makes kind of a lot of sense. So nothing has been working for the night, late 1950s. Mm-hmm. So maybe we ought to try something different. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I think it's where sanctions really did work to bring Iran to the table. Sanctions haven't worked against Cuba, and they've really probably made it worse for Cuban citizens and haven't done anything to affect the government. Uh, there's probably very little we could do to affect the Castro regime there. Right. Uh, but there may be something we could do to, to improve the lives of, of the people there. It's not like Cuba's the great threat. It's not, right. it's not a base for nuclear weapons against the United States like, you know, this was much feared in the 60s. So um, I don't know. I, I This is one I, I, I'm probably probably going to say, look, let's wait and see what happens. I, I, don't, I don't think any change in our, in, our, in our relation with Cuba could end up being good for Cuba. It could be good for Americans. What do you think about uh, his, his reaching out as well, briefly, with Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro uh, for the first time? Basically saying, we come in peace, we don't mean any harm to Venezuela. So I think President Obama really, really believes, way in his bones, that if you're nice to our enemies, things will be better. Uh, and since we already own our allies, we don't need to pay as much attention to them. But, uh, yeah, I think he, he really believes in his capacity to reach out and make things better with people who are bitter enemies of our country. So far, I don't think it's worked out so well, but, you know, I don't know. Mm. Do you think it'll change anything in your industry, in the fuel industry, isn't Venezuela a big uh, gas uh, provider? Oil big oil provider, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They are not, not much of a comes to the United States, but uh, they they have so many internal problems. Uh, among other things, they try to guarantee their own residents really low gasoline prices, so they have to subsidize it. So, in a in a in a certain way, that's benefited Venezuela, but in a bigger way, they are devastated by the high the low price of oil, because that's that's how they finance right. their their socialist regime there. And uh, wow, without those revenues, uh, things are things are really horrible in Venezuela right now at the at the citizen level. And of course, the government is is much weakened because of its, of its inability to have access to all that money. It, it really the, the net of the, the net of all this is low oil prices are bad for Venezuela. Hmm. It's just such a – it's such an interesting thing where um, a president who starts reaching out in a way that nobody has or a president haven't in the past. Um, but again, the, this paradigm that – well, we haven't – we've been doing nothing for years. Why not try something different? And maybe it's just – you know, a lot of us, we immediately recoil like, ah, oh, Cuba, that's so scary. Cuban Missile Crisis, ah. But the reality is, is you know, nothing's been going on anyway. Right. I, I think there might be some merit in, in what, what he's doing with Cuba. At least I hope there would be. I don't see much changing in Venezuela or Iran with yeah. the, the charm initiatives there. No. But I guess, I guess 
open a door, at least be there or say something versus, I don't know, ignoring, I don't know. Uh, what do I know? Joe, what did you, uh, as you watch the news over the weekend, anything stand out from you? I love to hear what what should we be talking about based on what you saw? <laughs> well, I mean, most of the news is dominated by the, by the things we've been talking about. I would just put in a pitch uh, that uh, we saw history being made at Augusta, Georgia, uh, it was wonderful to see a, a fresh, new, terrific golfer. Twenty-one years uh, old. Right? Come on, yeah, just just uh, just amazing. Rocked the golf world by his not just his victory, but the magnitude of his victory, yeah. and you know, just seems like a very nice young man. So that happened over the weekend. Did, did he t- did he tie the course record or beat the course record? No, he beat the course record. Did he really? He, he dropped a stroke on the last hole, but still has the lowest score in the history of the Masters. When you think about all the people who have played there, that's a pretty amazing fact. Isn't that amazing? And yet we still hear more about Tiger, you know, his arm popping out or whatever it was, his bone. Anyway, it's so interesting, too. A 21-year-old kid now wearing the green jacket. It's a big deal. Yeah. I didn't know you were such a golf fan. Well, I like golf. I'm telling you, Joe, that just makes you more of an insider right there. (laughs) <laughs> More of a Washington insider. Well, we appreciate your great work, Joe, uh, and go go do your work. Again, he's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. He's our Washington insider. Uh, have a safe flight and a safe day back to either darkness or the light of the world. Washington, D.C. Joe Cannon's his name, and uh, great, great man, great insights. We're going to take a break, come back, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, politics, ain't it great? So great. It depends. Hey, what do you think of Hillary Clinton's new logo? Well, as many people have pointed out, the arrow in the federal is it reminds me of federal. It's pointed to the right, which some people have some see. That's interesting. Concerns with. So what it is is, Hillary's or is it pointed moving? to the right or to the center? Because if she's oh, left, oh, yeah, Let's isn't she coming out. back to the center? I think, but I think if she's left, she's she's going to move right. So the arrow is kind of pulling her back yeah. towards it, the yeah, middle. They should have put the arrow right in the center. But she's moving from center out. Mm. It's basically an H with an arrow on top of it. Yeah, it looks like something you could have taken the stock. It's called uh, what Microsoft is called MS Paint. Mm-hmm. And well, just sort of hack something together real quick. It looks like something. In, Nothing professional. In, I mean, there's no high shadowing school. anything. Public relations class, you'd say, okay, I want you guys to make logos for, you know, one Republican and one Democratic candidate. She had an intern spend five minutes, and that's what they came up with. That's what it looks like. But, but it could be simple, and people yeah. like it. And But see, then it's know. no longer about H. Somebody could get a tattoo like that guy that got the Mitt Romney tattoo on his <laughs> head or however that worked. He's still to this day, biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> I've got Mitt Romney on my head. <laughs> Which is why uh, James wanted to tattoo me on his back. Okay. And I'm like, you know what, James, you will regret it. 
Yes. But he still did it. Did well, you still do it, James? I didn't actually go through with it. Okay. So. Good. Just last second there, you know, your words echoed in my mind. Did and they? I was like, yeah, this is a mistake. Yeah. This is a huge mistake. So It's going to get ugly. Yeah. Uh, I also hear there was a typo. A typo? In her announcement. Oh, like the press release? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, again, it's just, it's just they're new. You can't get down on them. They're just... You're just announcing a national presidential campaign. There, it's fine. It's, it's new. I mean, you got Typos, it. no problem. Now, mental note, make a note. Basic spell send check. Send it out to the editor. Just spell check. It's yeah. fine. Everybody, from now on, we use spell check. Yeah, I'm trying to find what the, what the mistake was, but, you know, whatever. You can't be perfect. You can with spell check. Yeah. And with, you know, official press releases. But again, maybe she's not that tech savvy. It's not her. She has a staff. Oh, but see, again, this is where it all begins. Of course it's her because it's always the candidate's fault, even if well, it's her people's fault. You have to own it, but yeah. It's not like she's typing these things up. No. On her BlackBerry. <laughs> with her with her sunglasses on. Ignoring the fact that she has an iPhone, an iPad, and a mini iPad. Yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> That's just another, that, that'll be that's soon. another scam. That'll be soon. They'll have some hearings. Somebody will blow that we'll hear up about soon. that. Well, yeah, especially the White House got hacked and she was notoriously, you know, lackadaisical yes. with her own server. Well, but the, the State Department was attacked also. Yeah. And then in that attack, you found out that they really hadn't been backing up any of their emails either. Right. And then some speculated that really the most in-depth record of the State Department over the last 10 years might be her server. <laughs> I was reading that a Once couple again, weeks ago. Once again, though, but it just goes to show that she is a leader. Okay. She was, she in a, was a leader in technology in the State Department. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's just that, that, that could be an argument that her campaign could make, I'm and sure they will would. probably try. Mm-hmm. Because they'll have to do something. Because this will be have she'll have to answer uh, nothing wrong these that. questions. Nothing wrong with that. Any other news? I found some Kim Jong Un facts. He's the <gasps> current. I love Kim Jong Un. Most um, awesome leader of North Korea. But this is good because he has an official title. That's close. We've talked to Most Iran. Awesome we've leader. talked to Cuba. We've talked yes. to Venezuela. I'm sure Kim Jong Un will be next. They're on the list. Okay, so let's down the road. Down the road. So what are next some of the president? Facts? Well, these are facts. If you remember when his his father. Yeah, Kim Jong-il. Was the the president and acting guy. He had a bunch of – he made people say things that weren't true. Like what? how good at golf he was. Oh, yeah, he's an incredible Like golfer. how incredible of uh, an athlete he was, how, how he was so smart and he uh-huh. could write books and he, <laughs> he, he wrote operas and plays and a lot of the similar type of things here. It says um, teachers in North Korea have been issued a new manual. That requires them to instruct their charges, all the kids, that uh, Kim Jong-un was a prodigy and therefore, and therefore the most awesome of leaders, as it says. The, the, some think that the regime is going to such lengths because the young dictator still lacks a complete support of the people. Well, he needs to lie more like his father. The book goes on. It says he could drive at the age of three and was winning yachting races at nine. <laughs> right. Mr. Kim is skilled, a skilled artist and composer of musical scores and a natural sailor. He's a yacht. Okay. One of those yacht yeah. races. Yeah. He is. Uh, he corrected and chastised his teachers for incorrectly interpreting history. Wow. These are all in this manual. He's phenomenal. He's great. While in college, he found time to write 
1,500 books and penned six full operas in two years. What? All of which are better than any in the history of music. That's a direct quote from the manual. Holy cow. <laughs> Kim's favorite movies were reportedly Friday the 13th, yeah. Rambo, and anything with Elizabeth Taylor. Hold on. Though that's not in the book. Of course not, because he's supposedly one of the greatest writers, opera creators ever, but his favorite movie is Rambo? That, yeah, that's not in the book. These are... Something's awry. From other interviews, okay. they okay. toss that okay. in. Okay. Kim first picked up a golf club in 1994 at North, old. at North Korea's only golf course. They have one. And shot 38 under par. <laughs> And included no fewer than eleven holes in one. You know, this is that this is that guy on your football team that yeah. just exaggerates everything. It says then, satisfied with his performance, he immediately declared his retirement from the sport of golf. I am so incredible! I will now give up the game. I will. I will never top this performance. I am done. He dropped the club and walked away. I heard he dunked over um, Rodman. Rodman could could be yeah. like he took it right over him and just delivered the bread. What? I don't know. Well, I thought that it was even more than that. When he was like just a child, he dunked over the entire dream team. <gasps> I'm sure they did. were they were all like guarding yeah. him and everything. Yeah. It was it was uh, five on one, and he schooled them all and dunked it. But this is a manual the teachers in North Korea have to teach well, from. But they also somewhere I heard he doesn't ever even go to the bathroom. Could be. Which. Might explain that weird grimace on his face that you see. He's magical is really the the term you're looking for there. Magical. It would be fun to be his writer. Like you really – I bet bet they took the guy who started Chuck Norris jokes. Yeah. They're like, we have a job for you. We need a manual written. (laughs) Absolutely. He is so amazing. Um, It's such an interesting thing because when truth doesn't matter, you just can become anything you want. We do know – in fact, this is a fact fact. We do know that North Korea, and I think it was he and his father have talked about this, have found the – I don't know what they called – do you remember what they called it? Like the lair, the the cave – I don't know the lair, but a cave of a unicorn hmm. really? where, where unicorns, I guess, breed and raise their unipups. So the one cave where unipups happen is in North Korea. Yeah. Okay. Which honestly <laughs> – Right there, that in and of itself, that's all I need to know because now I know at least that is the a true unicorns fact. A true fact. are safe in North Korea. <laughs> By the way, the unicorn is the uh, mascot of the Matt Townsend show. The unicorn ridden by a leprechaun. Quite the image. That's it, folks. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, get into more fun, more ideas right here on the Matt Townsend Show to help you find the good in the world. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Another hour designed to give you the tools, the ideas you need, my friends. It's one thing to read the news. It's another to make sure you're getting the news you need, right? The the news you need to make better decisions, to understand your family, your children, your grandchildren better, 
Boy, have we got a great show for you. Have you ever noticed, uh, you know, you just can't get some of your kids to do what you need them to do when you need them to do it? Like, dance, child, dance. They always wanted to dance when they were young. Always wanted attention. They always wanted to be. And then all of a sudden they reach this phase, this stage, where you, now you can't get them to dance. Go dance. Go on. Go do I noticed it with my kids uh, during spring break. You know. Hey, how are your friends? Good. Go, go talk. Go do. Go. No, go. They won't do what they don't like dance on command anymore. When they were young, they were so innocent and cute. What's going on? That's what we're going to be talking about today. A great guest coming up. Uh, Lon Chaplin Chaplin's going to be joining us talking about theory of the mind, which is all of a sudden these kids get kind of a mind of their own, I guess. They start to notice socially things that are going to impact them. And then they quit just dancing on command. So at some point they go, wow, this is going to be really embarrassing. Yeah. Or someone's going to video this and it will never go away. But then there's always yeah. the kid that doesn't get that. Yes. <laughs> or doesn't seem get... to care That's and they right. dance and seem to be having a lot of fun. And uh, honestly, as I look at my teens, I'd give anything to have my kids be that oblivious. Because hmm. mine, since day two, mine have always worried about overextending. Like they're, they're very attentive to what you don't do. Like at preschool. It's the craziest thing. You know, they sing these crazy little songs, you know, cute little, I say crazy songs, but cute little they're, songs. They're crazy. But, they're, but they yeah. have their like, their, you know, their Valentine's Festival or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're all standing up there singing. Well, my kids were always so self-conscious that they just, like, you know, some little girl <laughs> lifting her dress over her head. <laughs> and, you know, most of the other kids wouldn't care or notice, but my kid's the one putting her dress down for her. Stop no, it. No, no, shh, don't do that. We don't lift our dress up. <laughs> And we're like, just sing, just sing, buddy, yeah. just sing. Huh. Anyway, we're going to be learning about that and how that might be impacting your children. There are advantages, you know, to being more self-aware, self-conscious like that. There's also some disadvantages because eventually you're not going to dance. I don't know why it's always about dance. But oh, by the way, James, on the wedding. Yeah. Is there going to be dancing? Yes, there will be dancing. Will, will it be later? Yes. Okay. Why do you ask later? I'm going to be kind of tired that day. Why? The uh, next Avengers movie. That's when I'm going to see it earlier in that day. Wow. And then later that day, I have to go to his reception. You're already reception, planning, so I'm you're kinda, planning the day? Well, it's tough because that movie comes out, and with the way I consume the intranets, <laughs> as you like to refer to them as, the I, I need to know what's happening before everyone spoils it for me. Okay. So I need to get out there. I've been encouraging James to, well, are you getting married in the morning? Afternoon. Okay. 4.20. Find five hours so you can have enough time to see the movie before uh, reception. I mean, can you, you squeeze it in that day? You know, no. Catch a matinee. Yeah, catch a matinee. James, James, no? James, 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 James. Just a thought. I'm a doctor. Okay. Listen to me. When's, uh, men, when's McClintock coming on? When is she coming on? Any day. When are we going to do the, Whenever you want her to I come I want to do the pre-marriage talk. Okay. Any day. Okay, I'll let her know. Okay, we'll plan it. Okay. Don't go watch an Avengers movie. Save that for the honeymoon. Save that for after. <laughs> It'll be spoiled. You'll know everything that happened. Oh, no. No, 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 because you can use the new Google app to not be – That's not alert. That's not functioning yet. That was just merely a patent. They're working on it. It's Don't not out there it. yet. I'll spoil it for you. I'll come no. in and tell you. Michael, guess I've, what I've happened? Got, I'll just see it in the morning. I'll see it in the morning. No. I've got plenty of time. Here, here's the deal. But – I just come see me. Let me let me help you plan your wedding day and night. Let me walk you through it. 
I mean, it sounds a little creepy when I say it like that. A little bit. <laughs> I'm here to help you, James. But why I ask that is because I've been taking dance classes so I can dance with the bride. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, on the night of the wedding. What kind of dance do you dance? Uh, I do a it's flamingo. A, it's a yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a Roomba. Is that uh, no Aruba? Uh, no Roomba. Uh, Rumba. Rumba. The, the Roomba is that robot that yeah. We, cleans. Uh, I was like trying to say different. Ro- I tried. I also do a robot, by the way. Yeah. Oh, An wow. incredible robot. Your Roomba is fantastic. My Roomba robots. I'm kind of scuffle around the dance floor, making noises. But I do the tango, mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to want to do the tango with your bride. In front of everybody. Tango's the dance of love, so I thought it would be fitting at your wedding. So huh. I, pr- I appreciate that opportunity. Thank <laughs> you. All, all things are negotiable, I guess. Oh, yeah. Or not. You can discuss we'll, and well, let's turn just do down. It. Let's just and... do it. Let's not even talk about it. Let's just, just know I'm ready. I'm almost ready. Okay. And I'm going to bring one rose and we're going to put it in her mouth. There you go. It's going to be fantastic. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, because I'm going to be dancing with her so much. I don't know if you'll be able to cut in. Do you know the tango? No, we'll just okay. be doing the cha-cha. Yeah. But so if you don't know the tango, dance. then when the tango music comes on, you're just going to look silly. But you said it's the dance of love, right? Yeah. So I'll just let that inspire me and I'll just dance the tango. You are you are the doctor of love. I am the doctor of love. Don't, we have a, don't you have a sound bite? There you go. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Are they, why are they clapping? Because that was the sound bite from my graduation when I got my PhD in passion. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Tango, I'll, I'll be doing that uh, on your wedding night. That'll be great. Tell, tell Michaela to get ready. Okay. Tons of fun. Why are you laughing? That's weird. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Any other uh, news we need to get to other than my dancing? You're a big fan tango. of internet memes. Love them. Where people take a photograph and they apply yeah. some sort of quote, phrase or quote, quote that has nothing to do with that individual, Mm-mm. but it would be funny if it did. Okay. It's yeah. kind of how yeah. the, thought, the thought process works. Right. An announcement made this week by Russia's three-year-old media agency, Internet Censor. They have an agency that does that. Wow. Made it illegal to publish any internet meme parody account or parody websites that depicts a public figure in a way that has nothing to do with his personality. Really? This isn't a new law passed in uh, in parliament. It was. Uh, it isn't a new law passed by parliament. It's just a clarification of an existing policy. According to Russian media, the announcement came in light of a lawsuit filed by a Russian singer who sued an irreverent Wikipedia-style culture site over an image that paired his picture with some less than tasteful lyrics from another artist's song. Earlier this year, Russia approved a law that lets the censorship agency unilaterally block websites without explanation. The site of prominent Putin critics were the first to go dark. So you can't. So Putin is uh, is legislating against parody, like yes. uh, so you can't. You Saturday Night Live Studio C, they could not thrive. They'd no. be shut down. Absolutely. That seems or little, could be. Yeah, they're not shutting everything down. No. They're just picking who they. Basically, don't like. It seems a little, uh, I don't know, uh, dictatorial. Is that the word? A little bit. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. They talk about freedom of, you know. Something. There's a times where where President Putin has talked about free press. Yeah. And talked about TV and and how what they're trying to do there in their their country. But then whenever they kind of let that go a little bit, then they pass a law and bring it back and say, no, 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 just kidding. 
because it's more than what they want to do. They they don't like our system where you can basically do what you want. Have freedom. And have freedom. And you can have parody. You can have fun. See. No problem. But he, he doesn't like all his pictures being used to, right, to make be, fun of him. Yeah. No. And other situations. Because especially when he didn't mean to have anyone make fun of him. Right. He took his shirt off and rode, rode on a horse. the horse to be serious, not to be laughed at. Right. And when people start photoshopping him on bears and like dinosaurs a, and other things, they, they I mean unicorns, as yeah. you do. Oh, unicorn. I would See? love to have a picture of me on the back of a unicorn. If I don't get the bear painting made where I'm bare-chested riding with my hair blowing in the wind and my abs flapping in the wind, if I don't get that one, a bridled bear, then I want a bridled unicorn. In other computer-related news, a new, study, a new study published on Friday claims that China has developed a new IT weapon and have attacked servers outside their borders, including the United States. Mm-hmm. The study authors call it the Great Cannon. It operates in plain sight. Oh, boy. The reason free speech cyber activists in China have found ways to get around the Great Firewall, which is how China controls the internet within their country. They always call everything the Great over there. Well, we do. I don't, okay. They don't really call like, them. Yeah, we thinking. call them all these things. And so they're using this weapon to uh, take out influences outside their country that's helping people get past their firewalls. Hmm. One of those was a company in the U.S. called GitHub, <laughs> who last, it's a popular Silicon Valley hosting service used by computer programmers. Last week it was hit by, they call it a DDoS attack, which is a denial of service attack. Yes. So what they do is they send all these different requests to the website and you overload the server. Oh, wow. Right? There's, just, yeah. there's so many requests it can't... Crashes the server. Yeah. So what they did is they, they figure this Canon sent around 2.6 billion requests per hour until the server crashed. Wow. So they'll just aim and fire and take that's down a website. China's great cannon. Yeah. So that's wow. the next uh, next level, I guess. In GitHub, huh? Yeah. James was talking to me. You had GitHub. Didn't you have that once? GitHub. Isn't that one of the – that's just one of the major uh, super bugs, isn't it? Um, I think so. GitHub. What did you yeah. do to get rid of your GitHub? Uh, it was a long process. It wasn't pleasant, I'll tell you I that. hope you didn't use antibiotics. That'll kill you one way or another. We need a great cannon. We need some major weapon for the show. Get on that. Terry, get on that. I like silence every once in a while. We're going to take a break. When we come back, your child, have they given up their love of performance they used to be a big performer. Now they're not doing it as much. We're going to talk about why Lon Choplin will be joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, I can't dance. It's so crazy. But you know what? You can. Come on. Today, we are going to be talking to Lon Chaplin right now. Uh, have you ever had your toddler who just couldn't get enough of the spotlight when they were young? They would sing and dance. You name it. They were a one-kid show, and it didn't matter how they sounded or looked. They just knew that they were amazing. 
Well, then they grow up, right? And now you cannot get that same child to even sing happy birthday, let alone dance in public. What happened here to talk to us about her research on why we think we can't dance is Dr. Lon Chaplin. She is an associate professor of marketing at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Business Administration. Dr. Chaplin, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much for having me. I love this topic. Um, I I see it with my kids. I see it with myself. As a child, I could totally imagine I'd be willing to put it out there. But then, you know, as an adult, we start to think, oh, I'm not going to do that publicly. Talk to us about uh, your study and um, and the theory of mind. One of the one of the basic concepts in your study. Sure. So, theory of mind is basically the ability to attribute mental states to oneself and to others. So mental states being things like beliefs and intentions, and it's the understanding of other people's uh, desires and intentions and also to predict their behavior. Hmm. And so once, once children start to develop that and understanding that other pe- people may not view their performance as favorably as they do, that's when they start to perform less. Ah, the loss of childhood. <laughs> but it's not a negative thing. But in the end, and you'll teach us, I'm sure, that it's it's really a positive attribute, except in a way it really is when they stop. Because I guess what you're saying is because of theory of mind, they start to apply and be able to to see how others might be seeing or perceiving what they are doing. So they quit doing it. Right. So theory of mind is a positive thing in that it does help children achieve success in the social world because it allows them to interpret human behavior mm-hmm. and that it allows them to understand cultural meanings and social norms. So they behave appropriately in public because they understand expectations of how people are supposed to behave across situations. But along with that understanding, that, that sophistication is also the idea that, hey, other people may not be as uh, may not view my dancing as favorably as I do. They're judging me. They're judging how well I sing. They're judging how, how well I dance. And because they may have a different take on it, they may not, um, they might, may not think I'm the best singer. And so that kind of takes away, it chips away at children's self-esteem, which leads to performing less. Huh. I saw it with my kids. Do Are some children more uh, able to pick up theory of mind younger than others? Um, I mean, I think that if uh, maybe when if they're around and they have more practice, they have maybe perhaps if they have older siblings or parents who are teaching them about how they should behave in different situations and how other people may, may be judging them, hmm. they may develop a little bit earlier. Is, but it is, it well, is something that um, children become better at with age. What is the normal age when the the theory of mind starts to kick in? Around age four, but there's a huge spike between five and six. Hmm. That's where you'll see the most development. And what you're saying is this is it's it's a normal developmental phase where it, I guess it's kind of like we can take the place of other. Is that what it is? Is that I can see? Right. Yeah. Talk so about that. Kind of, and and it's a little bit more than just perspective taking. It's okay. not just that you can. Um, you can perspective take, but you take that information and you predict other people's behavior. So I, if I uh, understand that you have a different perspective than I do, it's a little bit more than that in that I'll predict that because 
you come from a different perspective and you may not view my dancing skills as well as I view my dancing skills, that you may laugh at me. So that's a prediction of your behavior towards me. And to avoid having you laugh at me for my dance moves, I'm just not going to dance. So this is why uh, at the dances in high school (laughs) – the the right. joke is, or it's probably a little earlier than that, maybe sixth grade, seventh grade, middle school. Yeah, right. they're all kind of lined up against the wall, and nobody's dancing. Exactly. Their right. their right. theory of mind is kicked in, and they're all afraid of being laughed at. Right, and it chips away at their self esteem, and naturally, with lower self esteem, they're not going to want to perform. Interesting. Is it and uh, is it reversible? Reversible? I mean, do we if we're caught in this? I guess and it impacts your self-esteem, then over the many years, would you just become someone who never dances at the weddings or any of that? You know what? That's a great question, and that would be great for future research. So now we kind of know what's happening during childhood. Yeah. And at some point, um, we at some point, does it reverse? Why does it reverse? It's such an interesting thing. And how does it impact self-esteem? I mean, I get that I mean, it's me anticipating they might laugh, but does it even matter if they do laugh to my self-esteem, or am I just preventatively kind of destroying my own self-esteem <laughs> so as not to risk? Yeah, that's a great question, too. So it, theory of mind appears to equip children with the ability to predict that others may not view their performance as favorably as they do, um, and that's associated with decreased self-esteem, and it may be something erroneous. It may not even be true. It's just that you anticipate and you um, you just assume that other people may not view it as favorably, and oh. that is enough to chip away at your self-esteem. It, it's so you know, interesting because it doesn't matter if it's accurate. It's, it doesn't matter if it's accurate. You are just more sensitive to criticism, so yeah. even if someone is not that favorable, you may interpret it as, oh, the person is laughing at me, the person just super sensitive. Does, um, I guess, does this play out then if they're sensitive to it and they're picking up on it, I guess some might have more of the theory of mind in play than others because there's always seems to be the one kid in class that has no boundaries, right? Right. And, you know, there has been some, and I have not done uh, research with adult theory of mind, but I have read some research where um, adults clearly have developed theory of mind, but not all of us use our theory of mind all the time. And I think that's the situation you're talking about yeah. with the, the one kid in school who has no boundaries whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so I, they may have the child, may have the ability to do so, but chooses not to use theory of mind. Yeah. Holy right. cow. It's, I mean, it really, it's, it's such an interesting little dynamic. And theory of mind, then, in a nutshell, is just our ability to apply uh, our mental state to others, right? So we, so we, we know what would embarrass us, or, uh, so we, and we apply that sense of embarrassment, that belief, that paradigm to others. We assume they would think like we do. Right. Well, and even if we know that they don't think the way we do, we are also um, predicting their behavior. So the key there is it's not just perspective-taking skills, but that we are actually trying to predict their behavior. Interesting. And that's at four years old, our children are already becoming predictive. They're trying to predict what's going to happen in their world. 
Right, because at a really early age, children are being socialized, right? They're trying to learn about our culture, trying to learn about social norms. And it takes a while for social norms and understanding of social norms to kick in. But they have theory of mind earlier, and and that's, that's what helps them learn cultural meanings and social norms. It's such interesting research. Let's do this. Again, we're talking with uh, Lon Chaplin, uh, Ph.D., and, and from the University of Illinois. She wrote the article, Why We Think We Can't Dance, Theory of Mind and Children's Desire to Perform. She wrote it with Harvard Business School's Michael Norton. Uh, we're going to come back, continue this discussion. I also am going to be asking her why on earth a business program is focusing on this type of research. She has a marketing degree and uh, and serves as an associate pro- professor of marketing at the University of Illinois. Why on earth would it matter about theory of mind and the desire to perform? This is the Matt Townsend Show. That question, uh, plus many more after this break right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Are you afraid to dance? You know, back in the day, maybe you used to love dancing. When you were younger, when you were a child, would you just, you know, let it go? And now as an adult, you're just too afraid of what everyone else might be thinking. It might be because of a crazy little theory called Theory of Mind. Uh, Dr. Lon Chaplin is joining us. And Lon is a Ph.D. Uh, from the University of Minnesota. She currently is an associate professor of marketing at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Business Administration. She put together a study and some research on and uh, that was titled recently, Why We Think We Can't Dance, Theory of Mind and Children's Desire to Perform. Very interesting insight. Welcome back, Lon, to the show. Thank you. Great to have you. Talk about... What does this theory of mind have to do with um, life and our predictability? Like we use it as a child. We About four years old, we start to pick this up. It really hits about five or six. And if I get it right here, I, I am a ch- as a child, I am trying to see the world as others see it and be used and be able to predict their behavior for what and how they're going to behave based on – what I am doing. So I start to adjust my activities based on what I predict they're going to do because of my activities. Is that accurate? Right. So you're trying to understand, you're trying to make your way through the social world and trying to understand how you fit into the social world, understanding your thoughts and behaviors and other people's thoughts and behaviors, and just really just trying to make your way through and trying to predict other people's behaviors, bouncing signals off. And you adjust your behavior accordingly. And, and you're reading, so you're kind of constantly reading. This is really social skills 101. Right. This is the basis right. of it. Now, right, right. Now, what on earth are you studying it for in the business school? <laughs> right, that's a great question. <laughs> Actually, my, my collaborator, Michael Norton, um, we both have psychology background. Okay. And so it's not as you know off topic as it may appear to yeah. be just because we're in the business school. But if you think about it, being in the marketing department, and we're we're now, each of us are in the um, marketing departments at our schools. So 
it actually does make sense because if you think about what theory of mind is, it's the understanding of other people's perspectives and, and um, predicting their behavior. That's what marketers have to do, right? They right. have to take on the consumer's perspective, predict uh, consumer's behaviors. And if you think about theory of mind, it applies no matter, it applies to whatever area you're in. Because oh, sure. It's about, right. So theory of mind is basically being being daring enough to share your ideas with your colleagues, no matter what area you're in. Because you so, might naturally and, not want to, right? Because of theory of exactly. mind, they won't uh, they won't right. like it. They'll reject me, so I'm not going to share it. Exactly. So in our research, we look at children's performance performance behaviors being singing and dancing, but in the workplace, it could just be. Performance being sharing your creative ideas. Hmm. Cre- creativity involves a different way of thinking. And if we think differently and if we understand other, our colleagues' um, minds and their beliefs, then we may not be willing to share our ideas if we think that they're going to shoot us down. It's, a lot of people will just chalk that up to fear, but it's, mm-hmm. more, it's more than fear. It's kind of – it's a learned – it's a learned pattern. It's a skill set. As a child, we've kind of grown up with this this predictable tool in our mind. And so we're, we're not just afraid. We're actually banking on it's a better decision right now to not do this based on what I've seen. And based on what I, what I think the reaction is going to be. Okay. So it's thinking a few steps ahead. And even if people think that it's fear – how does the fear get there? It gets there because we do have an understanding of other people's thoughts and behaviors, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what creates the fear. It's interesting, but it would also seem like the theory of mind is also what makes me laugh uncomfortably and roll my eyes at someone else that's willing to dance. Exactly. Because right. I'm afraid. But really, so the reality is, is our theory of mind is probably setting all, off a lot of false alarms for everybody. Yeah. When in reality, yeah. you know, you get a real dancer that knows how to dance. They don't care how you roll your eyes. They just know you may right. not, you don't understand. Right. That's a good point. Isn't that wild? Right. It really is a marketing. It's a great marketing idea that you, you're somehow going to have to make certain things accessible and doable in order for people to believe it, maybe. Right. Right. Huh. Boy, good luck with that. It's, it's, this is some great research. Talk about um, talk about the performance side of it. So, what in your research and in the study, what did you see? How exactly did performance? Uh, you know, how was it affected by the the theory of mind? Right. So, we interviewed 159 children aged three to 12, and we interviewed them one by one, and they were asked to complete a preference task and a theory of mind task. And in the preference test, we would ask each child, we would give them four options in random order to sing a song of their choosing, to perform a dance of their choosing, um, to circle red shapes on a page, or to color in a square. Hmm. So if you think about it, circling red shapes and coloring in a square, those are, you know, non-performance tasks because it doesn't require any, um, you know, kind of fear of performing. Right, right. It's a safe task. I should say. Yeah. And then there's the singing and dancing, which are not as safe because that, that we chose those performance behaviors because they are subject to scrutiny by peers. So we specifically chose singing and dancing. Um, and remember, these are kids aged 3 to 12. And so what we saw was um, as 
kids got older, they were choosing the safer options, coloring in a square, circling, circling red shapes. And they were moving away from singing and dancing. Huh. And the little ones, the, the three to six-year-olds, they were singing and dancing. They were choosing both singing and dancing. <laughs> and filling in the squares. They want to do it all. Right. <laughs> right. How interesting. So uh, the younger ones weren't playing the safe road. It would be fascinating yeah. to see what uh, – I guess that would apply too to the 14 through 17-year-olds because, I mean, it seems like – in many cases, no one's more awkward than that age group. Right, right. And, you know, the younger kids chose singing and dancing, and it wasn't because they don't like to circle or circle right. in red shapes or to color in square. Those are tasks that they really enjoy doing. They weren't self-censoring. No, but they they were definitely just – and just they just enjoyed it, too. They rated themselves as being really good singers and really good dancers when yeah. the lyrics were all wrong. and yeah. <laughs> So, so, okay, those, so they had a lot of confidence with their singing and dancing. And you knew ahead of time if the, if people preferred singing and dancing, I guess, in the study, because it, it would help to know that mm-hmm. the person that chose to just fill in the, the colors and the squares, if you knew that they were a dancer but they weren't going to do it publicly, then you probably knew it was having an impact on on performance. Right. I mean, our predict we did. That's what we hypothesized. We hypothesized that um, if there's if they had more developed theory of mind, mm-hmm. that they would not choose singing and dancing. Yeah. Where, where did where do you go from here? What's the next study you're going to do? Uh, from here, that's a great question. There are so many different avenues to take. It's a, it's a great topic to explore. I think that we'll look at different performance behaviors, so um, acting. Here we just did singing and dancing, and would it apply to behaviors like acting, Hmm. for example, Um, performance um, in public versus private? Oh, man. Across different situations. Yeah. I mean, I could see this getting into training, development. I do a lot of workshops and classes, and the minute I say, okay, let's do a role play. People like they, they want you can just see I can already see it exactly right, right? and so right. um, is there a way as a leader so if I'm a leader on a team let's say a marketing department and I want people to I want theory of mind to help I mean I mean it's great that we because we need theory of mind in order to predict the, predict the behaviors of our clients of our people that we're trying to market to how is there something I can do as a leader to get them to be more willing to be creative and and lower the theory of mind? You know, that's a great question, and we need to do more research to see. Yeah. I think that um, this is a relatively new area, and just to be able to see that children uh, exhibit theory of mind at a very early age. Um, and so now let's see what can be done with adults, because we already know that it happens at a very early age that people stop performing, children stop performing, performing at a very early age. So now with adults, how do we bring how how do we bring the performance back? Because we know by adulthood that's really, you know, people are very aware. They're very sensitive to criticism. You bet. And, right. and, so, and that's hard in, in almost every setting in marriage because it's you know, it's about talking, it's about saying what we're feeling and being right. able to work through stuff, which a lot of it might feel like performance. Right, exactly. And and that was my earlier point in 
terms of future research, um, looking at different types of performance. Yeah. This is great. Groundbreaking. And it's interesting, too, that this skill that I guess we've evolved to, to help us socially might actually be harming us creatively. Right, right. Um, and that, that's a great point. Um, so on the one hand, it helps us. It really does help children navigate through their social world. Sure. Because otherwise, if you think about it, if they lack theory of mind, um, how will they know how to behave appropriately across different situations? Right. How will they learn about their culture, all the, all the cultural meaning? But yet, as they learn these, as they learn, um, as they as they develop theory of mind, it also takes away at their creativity. It also takes chips away at their willingness to be kind of be daring and get your ideas out there because you're afraid that people are going to shoot you down. Mm. Yeah, and then you lose yourself, and you feel like you're not being real, and you're not offering your greatest offerings. Exactly. And the behaviors that we studied, singing and dancing, are actually associated with um, health and happiness. Yeah. Are and they so really? We see, yes. Yes. In the, in, the, in the medical field. Yeah. Yes. Well, and just, just even the ability to do something that is uniquely you that you want to do, but without worrying about what everyone else will feel about it or think about it. Um, and how it, regard, you know, regardless of how they would respond to it, just that would probably be healthy, freeing. Right. It's, these are enjoyable behaviors, right? Yeah. Whether yeah. we're good at singing or dancing, it's fun to do. I mean, whether people really want to admit it or not, mm-hmm. it's something that we'll all laugh about, and laughing is good for you. It's, and, and even, yeah, I mean, it's fun to do. It's not as fun to watch. Some people do. <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> but some people don't care what they that's look exactly, like. Exactly. I, I know. Right? So and I would matter. give anything to do that just to feel that way. So the, right. the, the way I made it through dancing in high school was to dance funny. Okay. And by right. making it funny, then everyone should laugh. Right. Right. So I took the pressure <laughs> off. Right. Except, you know. But then, but then that's also having really good theory of mind because you predicted that, you know, uh, yeah. their uh, laughter, That's right? right. It worked. It worked like right. a charm. It worked for you. And then right. I could still bust it out, not to brag, but be, I mean, you know, right. I could just, I could seriously put it out there. Right. And, and then, it, and then when it got too serious and everyone starts gathering around me in a circle to watch <laughs> me do my little spins right. on my back, <laughs> then I would bust it out and then be silly again. Oh, so you were one of those people then. Yeah. You see, you, you've seen me, yeah. Yes, yes, I have. But then there's the sad people that you see like on American Idol that just don't get it. They, I mean, they're not getting that, like, you need more theory of mind. Right. Mm-hmm. People are laughing at you. Right, or they choose not to exercise their theory of mind. That's it. That's, that might be it, huh? Because their dream is so much bigger. Right. Oh, wow. Well, you've got your work cut out for you, Lon. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Great job on the study, and um, keep up the good work. And when you know your next iteration, we'll be looking for it, and we'll have you back. Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate all that you've done. Again, uh, go check out the article, my friends. Why we think we can't dance: theory of mind and children's desire to perform by Lon Chaplin. Uh, great stuff. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. Come back to a little coach's corner with you. Uh, continue our discussion about um, 
you know, getting out of yourself, losing yourself, risking a little bit to get a lot. That'll be up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Theory of mind is what we've been talking about with Lon Chaplin. You know, that very basic idea that, uh, and you may remember it even as a child. You may remember people trying to get you to, hey, go do the dance. Do the dance for Grandma and Grandpa. Do the dance. And in your head, you're like, I am not doing the dance. Um, it's where we were trying to predict the thoughts, the behaviors, the the reception of another person, and we're using it's it's the beginning, if you think about it, of social grace in a way, social skills, and we use it to, in a way, buffer our performance with another person's expectation and interpretation. It's it's a pretty big deal, and I remember with my kids. For some reason, they seem to get it fairly young um, because when they were young, oh, they would always be noticing that, oh, we are so embarrassed. This is such an embarrassing thing that's going on. Everybody be quiet. Quit doing it. Even in their little preschool performances, instead of just singing and just being the loud singer, you know, the, there's always the one or two little preschool kids that are off key, just screaming it, but content as ever. My kids always seem to pick up this this sense of social, um, you know, fear in a way. This theory of mind of, oh, don't do anything that's embarrassing. Don't do that. Again, it's not just parenting, folks, but it's this idea that every one of us inside of us have this ability to predict how others are going to see what we're doing. It's a predictive tool that's designed to make sure we stay a viable social being. As crazy as that sounds, you can go be a renegade all you want. Go just be you and bring what you need to bring to this world. But historically, that probably didn't go off so well. In fact, I'm going to bet that a lot of the people that were that lacked this uh, theory of mind and there were kind of renegades, did it their way. I'm going to bet a lot of them were just, I don't know, thrown into the witch pile and killed because they're too into self. You're too into just demonstrating you and being who you are instead of playing for the whole, playing for society. And historically, being a member of society was a sign of longevity, right? Where today, you know, a lot of people can still live a fairly stable life but not being as integrated into society. The dilemma happens though and the problem happens in our relationships when we bring that out. When I quit sharing my voice because I'm afraid of what you will do with it or I'm afraid of how you will respond to it. So I learn to self-censor and then you may learn to just get used to never hearing the real me but I'm telling you, down the road, eventually we're going to run into a problem here because I – you will never know who I am. And when I can't take this self-censoring anymore and I choose to be me and I've seen this a lot with my clients, then finally they're just going to be them. They're just going to say what they feel and it's going to come off harsh. It's going to come off ugly. It's going to come off mean. 
And in the end, now I got to be me. There's a really important lesson here, I think, for all of us. We can't grow a long-term relationship simply by shutting down our voice. Okay, so in the in the the movie The Little Mermaid, James brings this up all the time that we're talking. Don't say you don't, James. And but in The Little Mermaid, Ariel, the the wonderful uh heroine, I guess, I, I don't know what we call her, uh wants to be on earth. She I mean up on the land. She wants to be walking around on the land, right? And she, but the problem is she's a mermaid. She falls in love with Prince Eric. Bada boom, bada bing. He, by the way, falls in love with her voice because she's always singing those beautiful songs. She wants to have the life up on earth and just, you know, with all the incredible gadgets and gizmos. But in the end, what she ends up doing is she has to trade in her voice to the evil queen. I don't remember her name. James does. Ursula. Is it? Yeah, Ursula. The sea witch, yeah. The sea witch. She gave her voice up to Ursula in order to get legs. And I see that a lot in our marriages where we give up our voice. We don't share who we really are. We don't share what we really think because we don't – we're not sure how our partner will react to it. And that little fear is where we give it up. And when you give up your voice to Ursula, the sea witch, there's going to be problems. There always will be. And the same is true in your marriage. You can't get legs in your marriage by just shutting up your voice. The voice is the means to creating a healthy relationship. It's not the only way. Another way to create a healthy relationship would be your ears. Let's try using them a little bit more. Not just our voice saying everything we think and feel, but we need also our arms, our hands, our bodies. We need all of us to make a healthy relationship. But we can't ever assume that by giving up our voice, we're going to get longevity. It won't work. You'll get unpleasant longevity. The relationship, I guess, will last for years, but it won't be fulfilling and it won't be mutually fulfilling. So even though it's a very natural theory, theory of mind that we all have and at four, you know, four years old, five, six, we pick it up. At some point, we've got to decide to, to kind of transcend it. So one thing to know that even though we're born with this idea that we can we're, we might self-censor and eventually it kicks in when we're four or five and it's a great skill to help us socially, we might also recognize we have other gifts like self-awareness. If we know that we're somebody out there that we we no longer dance because we're afraid of how everyone else will see us, you can use your self-awareness to say, you know what, I tend to worry about that a lot and probably too much. I can also use my imagination to find other ways to still go dance. And if I can't dance with everybody at a dance, uh, maybe I could just go take dance lessons and see if that will build my confidence. Then I could perform at dance recitals and eventually get to the point that I can dance. I'm telling you because I'm a guy that would not dance. I'd rather take a bullet quite honestly than dance in front of a lot of people now at my age. And yet when my daughter got married, she you know, informed me that we would be doing a dance. The father-daughter-bride dance. And everything inside of me just went cold. Like, ah! But honestly, it was one of the greatest things I ever did. Because I lost myself and I got to be with my daughter in a moment in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, which I would normally not love. Now, I didn't go crazy. 
I didn't throw some cardboard down and start spinning, but I would have. Um, but I did get to just slow dance with my daughter. So some of the most precious moments are going to take place when we uh, get out of ourselves. So use your self-awareness. Use your imagination. Use your conscience to ask yourself, what's the most important thing I can do today to have an impact on this, on this problem that uh, my theory of mind is creating for me? What can I do today? To make sure that I don't lose myself, my identity, my voice, who I am, simply because I'm worried about what everyone else will think. This is, by the way, the beginning of peer pressure, right, for these kids. This is the beginning of a lot of things. And the sad truth of it is is sometimes if, if we're very sensitive, we might turn over our identities to everyone else out there that are less sensitive. There's a lot of people that don't worry about what others are thinking. And we don't want to let the good, healthy, selfless people, uh, you know, fall prey to those that, that, that don't seem to care as much. So please, use your other gifts. You do have theory of mind, which is a great gift, but also use your self-awareness. Use your imagination to find other ways to, to make stuff work. Use your conscience to go actually make it happen. Use your character, for heaven's sakes. That's the Coach's Corner. Again, uh, a little leg up to help you uh, find the good in the world and maybe more importantly, be the good in the world. We'll be back after this break. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, the show where we do what we can to give you the tools, the ideas, the leg up to help you grow a healthier, happier life. Welcome to the program. Not just giving you the news here. We're giving you uh, some of the tools you may need to, to grow a healthier family, to gain insight into some of the behavior of the people you love. We've got another great show for you right now. In fact, uh, if, you, if you think that you might have a child or a uh, relative, someone you care about um, with an eating disorder, today is the day. Be listening up on the show. We're going to be talking about eating disorders. We're also going to get into the implications social media may play and have in uh, an eating disorder. Uh, you might want to make sure we you stick with us, stick around with that, uh, because selfies may impact somebody's eating disorder, which is why I don't take selfies. But I was away on spring break. Everybody's taking pictures. Everywhere we go, there's pictures. Everyone wants pictures except me. I have a phobia of pictures. And in fact, my wife posted on her Facebook page a picture of the, our first dance where it was we had dated and we went to a dance in high school. And the picture makes me look like I just robbed a bank. I don't know. It looked super cute. Did I you see it. it? Yeah, it was adorable. The, what, did you see how good I look in a tux, by the way? Yes, I did. And I'll be bringing that to your wedding. Wow. But I, I don't like pictures. I, I have – it's because of what we learned in our last hour. I have this, this theory of mind that makes me think that everybody's looking at me while I'm having the picture taken and they see the fakeness of the smile. So instead, I like to grimace and make other faces. That nobody would expect. 
which account that they make great pictures too, though. Don't you think? Oh yeah, a grimace I, is so much better than a smile. <laughs> I ruined so many pictures, dance pictures in high school. That seriously, girls just quit quit asking. That's well, that's one. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it was the pictures that ruined it, not that they didn't want to go out with me. And that's the story I'm sticking to. Welcome to the program. James uh, has a countdown. How many days again, James? 19 days. 19 days and counting to the wedding of the millennium, uh, a.k.a. the James Birdsall wedding. Mm-hmm. If we knew your fiance's name, we could actually add her name in there. We could. We could. Uh, they've yet to let me know that one, but I will be in the wedding party. Apparently, uh, I'm getting a tux relatively soon, and I will be doing a dance with the bride. I like how you're kind of taking the wedding planning in your own hands. What do you mean? Well, just all of these these things that uh, we would we would have never planned. Um, well, you're going to have a dance, right? Well, yeah, but so you you, you dancing. I, I didn't know. What do you mean? I didn't know if that was part of the program. Well, yeah, it's all, no, it's always been part of the program. Well, that's the thing. You're taking the planning into your own hands. Yeah. No. Also, I don't I don't know if your your tux was in our budget. But then you, you've you've insisted. Well, no, but you're going to want me in a tux. You won't want me wearing what I would normally wear. What would you normally wear? I don't want to bring it up, but let's just say yoga clothes. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to see that. All right, then give me a tux. Okay. Or I'll wear yoga clothes. I don't care. <clears throat> just whatever. I mean, I just want to. I want to be there, James. I want to support you. I appreciate that. <sighs> That's why I'm here. Anything from you, Terry? So uh, yesterday, just stand there like a. I was just waiting for that to finish because yoga clothes just really. Did that throw you? Yeah. So yesterday, Hillary Clinton declares for the yes. presidential run in 2016. She's hit the road. She's in a bus. It's nicknamed Scooby. The bus is nicknamed Scooby. Scooby after the 70s cartoon. Okay. Uh, she's headed to Iowa. She's going to meet with. Uh, this will be on Tuesday and Wednesday. She'll meet with teachers in Monticello, Iowa. And uh, with a have a small business roundtable in Kirkwood, Iowa. She came in third place in Iowa. Yes, she's got a lot of convincing to do because the thing about Iowa, you can't fake out the Iowans. Supposedly, supposedly, because they're going to sniff her out, and if she's not really a champion of the average folk, they'll know that. So she's trying to. It's going to be get a lot of sniffing. Shake the hands and kiss the babies, I guess. Yes. Or shake the babies Don't and kiss. Don't shake the okay. babies. That's <laughs> going to get you in trouble. Also, an independent Russian news site slapped Hillary's presidential announcement video with an 18 plus rating <laughs> because uh, there's a in in there there's a gay couple yeah. planning their their wedding and yeah. in Russia that's a, a, a bigger deal. So they 18 plus on that video. So she probably won't get a lot of you know votes from Russia. Yeah. That's kind of the uh, the thought there. Uh, an international consortium of, of investigators reported that shorter stature increases the risk of heart disease. <laughs> Just a little caution to you. Hold on. I'm five ten and a half. Mm, I don't know. A study of 200,000 men and women worldwide found that each extra 2.5 inches of height brings a 13.5% reduction in heart disease risk. I wonder why that is. A person who is five feet tall has a 30% greater chance of developing heart disease than someone who is 5'6". 
said the lead author of the new study. Hmm. There is nothing people can do about their height, but researchers hope the finding will lead to the discovery of new links to heart disease. Also, all the other <sighs> really bad factors and things you can do in your life to lead to heart disease, yeah, yeah. they're a greater risk than your height, but they're saying this possibly may be a, yeah. a, a an indicator of your possibility of getting heart disease. We talked about loneliness, right? So loneliness is just as big of a, a risk as I think like smoking 16 cigarettes a day. But now if you're short and lonely, you may as well just smoke cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like. Oh, brother. Not sure. They, they're not sure why that seems to be the case, but they're as looking if, As it. if being really short wasn't already stressful. Now you're like, ah, oh, great. I've like, got – I'm going to die. Like the booster seat for you to drive your car. Yeah. It just – there's some psychological issues there. Yeah. Built in. So I just I don't care if I have to sit on a booster seat as long as I have those beads behind me that yes. kind of massage my back. Mm. Oh yeah, those are nice. The taxi driver beads. Mm. Starting today, the government's new net neutrality rules will be published in the Federal Register, opening the door to lawsuits from internet providers looking to toss out the rules. What? So the lawsuits can begin today because the rules Yay. are officially written in the public document. Okay, I don't know that we should enjoy that. Not enjoying it. I'm just announcing that today's the day. And they're off. Here come the lawsuits. Here we go. Speaking of lawsuits, yes. A procedure that would be nothing short of revolutionary. Mm -hmm. A 30 year old Russian man has volunteered to be the first to have his head transplanted onto another human body. I think we talked about yeah, this previously this before. Now they're doing it. Oh, boy. The volunteer is a rare muscle, wasting condition, and believes that this could prolong his life. Yeah. The new body will be taking, taken from a brain dead but otherwise healthy donor. Yeah. The operation will reportedly last up to 36 hours, cost $11 million. It will require the assistance of 150 doctors and nurses to be orchestrated by Dr. Sergio Cavanero, a renowned neurosurgeon from Italy, ah. who I've also read some have equated to Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that's going to happen, though, is the body could reject the head. Yes. Or, or gonna, maybe the head rejects the body. They're going to cool know. the brain down between 50 and 60 degrees yeah. to prolong the time the cells can survive without oxygen. The spinal cord will be cut with a special scalpel that is especially sharp. Uh-oh, James is starting to get nauseous. And the head he will be... put his head between his knees. The head will be reconnected to the body, the new body and spinal cord with a special biological glue. Is the guy... You bet, Tell me this body that he's buying, yeah. he's picking up. Tell me it's it's tall. It better be. Because if it's you short heart and squatty, <laughs> this could be a mistake. But this is a guy that's probably going to die anyway, so yes. he's basically just saying it's worth pig. it's worth the risk. They've tried it on, I was reading monkeys. Monkey, it lasted seven it lasted days. lasted several, yeah, and then died, so. But it's there's a lot that can go wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, plus you'll probably be. But there's a lot that could go right. Well, it seems like you'll still be a quadriplegic. Maybe. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not a. I'm not a. A doctor. I'm not a neuro. I'm well, not that a kind neurologist, of Yeah. But seems like if you sever the spinal cord, one would reason. I mean, unless possibly. you come in and glue it just right. Biological glue. They're using biological glue. Yeah, I don't think it works that way. It's like rubber cement. You just spread it on, and that's incredible. Well, really, if it works. Well, best of luck to him. I mean, you, it's, seriously, he's desperate, right? So he's like, let's go do this. Yeah. What if you just get a body and you're like, oh, this guy's hairy. 
spend the rest of your life. When you finally come back, you're sure you're living. But yeah, I I, I looked at this. At, what about the uh, the level of like athletics? Yeah, I, I'm. How not, much would you pay to to be a basketball think, player or something? But you know? I don't I mean, think he's going to worry about that. But but what if you know? Obviously, down the road, if the technology and the the medicine advance to the yeah. point where it actually works, that's amazing. Yeah. You want to change your career? Does that mean you have to change your your body? Really? Is that something you have to think about? Hope not. You quit your job? You got to leave your body here. Nah, you just got to learn to love your body. Is that what it is? That's what they say. Not they, whoever they are. Whoever they are. Um, well, that's great. That's great. Good news. I mean, I guess. And well, we wish him the best of we'll luck. We'll see. But boy, I mean, the interesting thing is if he just lives, yeah. that's good. I mean, that's a great advancement, right? If he lives and can recover some of his function, that's amazing. So I guess this is just research. Oh, it's just freaking us out. Mate, James, are you all right, James? Yeah, I'll be okay. You're very ashen. Uh-huh. Just keep breathing. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, though, we're going to be talking about eating disorders and selfies. Uh, if you've got somebody in your life that's suffering with an eating disorder, this is the segment for you. Sit back, uh, you know, be ready. And, folks, if not, download this. You can download the, the podcast and replay it for the people you love. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, approximately a half a million teens struggle with eating disorders or disordered eating. Anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating can cause serious physical problems at their most severe and can even be life-threatening, right? So why do people succumb to eating disorders? How has social media contributed to the rise in eating disorders? Joining us today is Dr. Karen Steinberg, clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychiatry at the University of Connecticut Health Center to talk about the impact of social media on body image. Dr. Steinberg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. You bet. It's an honor to have you. And uh, so, I mean, really, that is those. No, I mean, there's a, out of half a million teens struggling with meat eating disorders. This has been going on for a long time. Does it? Is it seem to be getting worse? Well, it, it's hard to say. You know, there. You know, there. There are kind of. We have more ability to detect some of these problems yeah. earlier. We have better instruments for detecting them. So, um, but they've been, you know, consistent, you know, over the years. Um, and the adolescence is a time, you know, with a greater vulnerability to developing or exacerbating some of these problems. Hmm. And then, does the social media culture impact that? I mean, all these immediate, everything's about pictures, photos, all yeah. of this. How's that impacting? I this? think so. I, you know, I, I think so because there's such a, such an emphasis on um, physical appearance, you know, with the, you know, sharing pictures and um, selfies and things like that. There's just a sort of an excessive focus on um, physical appearance, physical attributes, more superficial qualities about a person rather than, you know, more depth of understanding. Talk to us about the mind. Um, What's going on in their mind of of a teen or a person that that is suffering an eating disorder? Well, they, you know, they um, will often have a lot of um, 
sort of self-criticism, negative feelings about themselves. They may compare themselves to um, some of the images that are presented out there in in the media, you know, um, more broadly in magazines. Um, They may look at um, pictures of models or actresses or athletes and, um, you know, see themselves as falling short and then try to attain some of these ideals that are really not realistic for most people to, you know, to reach. So then they um, develop, you know, these sort of um, extreme approaches to, you know, by starving themselves or binging and purging, because it's difficult. It's difficult to reach these ideals under normal circumstances or just living normally and eating, you know, eating regularly. Right. Is um it seems like it's such a personal problem as well. It's one that they hide, it's one that they you know, they they try not to let anybody know about, it, but then it reaches a point where there's not the ability to hide it anymore. What what should the what should the average just listener be doing if they have somebody they care about that's suffering through this? Well, and you make a good point that they may hide it. They may feel a lot of shame about it, about um, about the behaviors that they're engaging in, you know, or about themselves more generally. Um, so I think that if someone is concerned or feels that there's a problem, they want to try to create a space or an environment where the person can feel comfortable and reduce the, you know, the shame that they may be feeling. So not come across in a judgmental or critical way, right. but more of encouraging kind of openness and reflection. And I guess may, maybe not make it all about their physical appearance, their – I mean the minute it seems like you're mentioning their their looks, then the shaming begins, doesn't it? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So you might not want to focus um, overly on, on their appearance or, to, or say something, make a negative comment about their appearance, but more just – just to ask them to talk about how they're feeling and how they're doing and maybe comment on some changes that you've, you've noticed, you know, in, in their mood or how their, um, their activity level, things that, um, you know, they used to enjoy that they don't seem to do anymore. Um, so those kind of make, you know, those kind of observations and do it in a context of um, being concerned and caring and being willing to help and, and not also not acting like you have all the answers or you know what the problem is because you want to try to foster, you know, an environment where the person is comfortable sharing and uh, being vulnerable. Is is there much success uh, in this field? What are the – I mean what, what's the success rate? Uh, that sounds weird, but is, is it something that is curable? Is treatable. It treatable? Yeah. yeah, just as with other um, – you know, other psychological problems, mental health problems there, you know, with early identification and early intervention. So both on the individual level, but also fam- with families and, and larger systems. So I think, you know, what you're doing is a great thing to here today because you're trying to impact things on a, on a broader scale. And I think that's very important because the way we kind of construct our our society, you know, and the, and the kind of messages that we send out have an impact. But yeah. For the individual, um, yeah, I mean, there are uh, psychotherapies and treatments that can be very helpful um, that would be focused on, you know, helping the person with the way they see themselves, the way they think about 
themselves in relation to others, the way they approach problems, um, a therapist could be very helpful with that. What What do you suggest to the parent um, when it comes to social media and you know, maybe coaching their child as well. Because, I mean, it's one thing, I guess, to have uh, some of this this mental, um, you know, strain that they're, they're working through the concept of self-image and self-worth and then to keep having it reinforced through social media and more traditional media. What could we as parents be doing to make sure that they're getting the right media information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a, that's a good, good question. Um, I think just... Um as with other things that, you know, parents want to kind of foster a um, a more holistic, you know, perspective on, on, you know, what is optimal development, that, you know, physical development or, or physical attributes are one, one part of a person and that there are, there are other aspects that need to be developed that are very important or more important, um, you know, the kind of person that they are, the, the, the kind of friend they are, the way they are with their peers, um, the, the things that they um, are able to, the skills they're able to learn, the way they're able to persist with tasks, you, that, you, that parents want to encourage their children, you know, in a variety of ways and, and, rec- and help them to recognize, not tell them, you know, this, to do one thing or another, because ideally, you know, as parents, we want to help our children to be able to make good decisions mm-hmm. as they are become more mature. So it, it becomes less an issue of telling them what to do or what to watch or what to focus on as much as um, helping them to raise these questions and think about these things and see things in more complex ways. It really is a very complicated uh, issue, isn't it? Because it's not just environmental, or is it? it tell us how, because it's got to be some psychological, maybe some environmental, maybe some um, emotional, uh, chemical at times. Explain kind of the complexity of it. That what are we dealing with here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you're raising really good points. That it's complicated. There, it's multifactorial. There, you know, there are multiple factors that may contribute, and just with many kinds of mental disorders that we sometimes talk about, um, you know, that it's not one, it's not, you know, the environment, right. you know, or, um, or, you know, the genes or nature. It's, you know, there are relative contributions, you know, in these different domains. Um, there may be some biology, there may be some, you know, biological predisposition for, for depression or mood difficulties. Um, and then certain kind of environment, certain kind of um, fit with um, within a family system. You know, we see that there are different parenting styles that, you know, can fit better with certain, you know, children's um, styles of uh, dealing with their emotions. Um, and, you know, so ideally we want, you know, so also, you know, when we look at adolescence as a time where, children are beginning to define themselves and their identity. And part of that is sort of, um, you know, separating and differentiating themselves from their, from their families and that that's normal. And the, to the degree to which um, parents may have difficulty with that or may not recognize some of those, you know, those steps or those needs, um, you know, that also can play a part in, in a child sort of developing um, you know, a style that, you know, just in order to define themselves or to, to be different or to have some control. 
you know, control over, feel like they have some control over their lives. And we see that sometimes with eating disorders that, um, you know, that these children may have lost some sense of control over their themselves or their hmm. their own lives. And it really is some way that they they feel in control. Yeah, I guess they can control their eating or their, mm-hmm. you know, their how long they keep food in. They get to control a lot of that. We're talking again with Karen Steinberg Gallucci. She is a professor. Um, a clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychiatry at the University of Connecticut Health Center. She's here to talk about the impact of social media on body image and uh, also eating disorders. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, continue this discussion, trying to understand um, you know, how to better communicate about self-image and, uh, and help those that uh, really stand in need of help right now. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're discussing um, a problem that needs to be, I think, at least addressed and dealt with. Uh, Eating disorders, we've all met somebody. We know somebody that we care about that that is suffering with that that problem. And um, it's the hardest thing. It's so sad because, again, they have to make decisions on their own, and we can get them the help we we want to get them. But in the end, people have choices to make, and we're trying to figure out the best way to help uh, those that are suffering through eating disorders, no, no matter what kind. But if they can become life-threatening, they also can be just life, you know, unstabilizing and destabilizing, and it's difficult. So we wanted to ask Dr. Karen uh, Steinberg, who's a clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychiatry at the University of Connecticut Health, Connecticut Health Center, to come talk to us about uh, you know the, this disorder and also about the, the impact of social media. Karen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, when when we think of media and the some of the the less than real. Uh, portrayals of the human body and body image. What are some of the things that uh, we could be doing, even even on this show, to, to make sure we're not perpetuating some of those, you know, body image myths or ideas? And also, what could parents be doing? Okay. Um, well, I think there are a number of things. You know, I, you know, I think everyone knows about the unrealistic images that right. are portrayed for you know, uh, women, uh, you know, men, um, athletes, um, actresses and actors, you know, that um, that these images are projected and they are, you know, presented as, as ideals that people should be, um, you know, trying to achieve. Um, I think we see it in different ways. So the, these physical images that are very unrealistic, for example, of, you know, very low body weights. Um, we see with you know athletic performance that you know people are taking um, taking drugs to Im- increase their athletic performance. Um, um, we and you know so all of these things and we reward you know these these 
professions and these different areas in our society, we say that this people getting concussions, you know, playing football and getting concussions, yeah. you know, but making millions of dollars. And it's so it, um, I think we as a society are responsible when we kind of generously reward and, and hold these professions and these um, people up as ideals. And then we, we subject them to the, these kind of problems because we're saying this is so important and you should harm yourself, basically, um, you know, in trying to keep, keep up with whatever the, the goals or the ideals are. Um, so I think that's one problem. I think it would be good if we, we tried to reward other kinds of endeavors, other kinds of professions, other kinds of, um, you know, people, people looking different ways. Um, you know, I think that's that's one thing, um, and that then we we help our children to um, kind of uh, make choices or look at things more objectively, and to recognize that you know this is one you know this is one kind of goal or one one area to focus on, and that there are many many others, and there are many many other things about you that are very important, other than your weight or how how you look. It's so true. I, I just – not to interrupt, but yeah. I, I think of the hosts, even for a man, um, like a Ryan Seacrest is hosting mm-hmm. you know, uh, all of these things. Neil Patrick Harris hosts the Oscars mm-hmm. and they're so svelte and just so yep. petite perfect. and perfect in their little tight suits and I think, <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah. If you put that suit on the average American, I know. someone would lose an eye with a button popping off. Um, <laughs> and then I think of like a Zach Galifianakis who's just you know the everyday guy, a comedian, but he's he's a little bigger. And I think of all of these comedians, John Belushi, these bigger guys that we just make them all comedians. So yes, the heavy fine. guy is a comedian. Is a joke. Is yep. a joke. And the skinny guy is the host. Yep. And we're doing that to men, aren't we? And I guess too. I mean, Absolutely. one of the things about uh, this this disorder is it doesn't go away with your age. So you mm-hmm. could be a senior with an yes. eating disorder, right? Yes, absolutely. And actually, you know, there is evidence that sort of the longer someone suffers with an eating disorder, anorexia, for example, the longer someone suffers without treatment, the harder it is to to eventually. Um, you know, make changes. So that's why kind of what you're talking about is so important, early identification, you know, in childhood and adolescence. And you can, you know, you can identify some of these things early and try to try to help children with, you know, the way they are approaching these challenges yeah. and basically the way they're approaching their emotions. I think that's sort of the core of a lot of it is how we learn to, um, you know, access and um, regulate our, our emotional states. Well, I think that's I think that's the key too, huh? and that's the hard part because a lot of us as parents we don't have the skills there. Mm-hmm. That's that's something a little foreign to us. Yeah, or the message is you know just um, get rid of you know get rid of bad emotions or um, shut down to you know feelings that are hard to understand or complicated. I mean, I mean as our society, we do that too. We really encourage you know, a getting away, an escape, you know, escaping from difficult feelings, difficult mm. emotions. And I, I think that when you talk about the social media, you know, I think it really does, it has sort of a compulsive, addictive quality, you know, of, yeah. and, re- and an escape quality. And, and in, in a way, I guess that could, you could supplant the addiction or the disorder with yep. more social media use, but also 
that wouldn't deal with your emotion in a healthy way. You might just make it, it worse. It doesn't. It doesn't. And there's a lot about this. And I'm sure we can all see examples in people we know or ourselves. It's very easy to, you know, sort of be be focused and, and addicted to these, you know, the devices and all the information that's available and all the, you know, and there's a lot of great stuff there, but it, it can be very, um, it can be addictive and it can sort of take, consume a lot of energy that isn't all going to, you know, things that are sort of positive and constructive. Yeah. Um, well, if if we do see that uh, someone that's close to us that, that we care about, what do we do to get them help? Where, where would we? Where do you suggest we, as just the average person, should turn to get some help? Well, there are, um, you know, there there are resources in most, you know, many communities for. Um, you know, for eating disorders, um, you know, there are mental health clinics, there are, um, there's information. Sometimes that can be a first kind of first line attempt might be just providing information to the person because sometimes someone doesn't, isn't ready for a whole discussion yeah. or, or ready to admit that they have a problem. So sometimes it can be helpful just to you know, share share concerns, you know, in the context of a of a positive relationship, um, you know, share concerns and interest and um, encourage some kind of discussion or, and reflection. And then maybe sharing information about, you know, about eating disorders, you know, asking them to look at it and maybe come back and talk about it another time. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are certainly, um, you know, experts and people that are trained to work with eating disorders. We appreciate it. Uh, Karen Steinberg-Gallucci, thank you for the work you're doing. And we will continue on our front to, to educate, to inform, and to give uh, healthier, better messages about body image for those out there. Again, we're going to take a break. We appreciate uh, her great work as well. Yeah, really, folks, um, get help. And even if you just as parents, go get help. Go talk to a therapist and let them guide you and instruct you and inform you on how best to approach it as well. Everybody, we could all use the tools. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to go visit the guys at uh, BYU Sports Nation. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Let's go down to Studio B, BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, how are you, gentlemen? Pumped up after that music. You guys Hello, get all the up. good stuff. Oh, man, we've got so much good stuff. You have no idea. When are you going to bring back the hee-haw music, though? No, 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 no. No, not for a while, because we have... Some earth, wind, and fire that we're going to oh, be yeah. using with you this week. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> Your shooting star, no matter what you are. <laughs> my, uh, my uncles went to that in Salt Lake a couple years ago. They said they were uh, Your uncles. two of the very few white guys at that concert. <laughs> really? Were they? Were they? But you know I what? would love to go. I love earth, wind, and fire. Jerem, you don't need to say it's your uncles. No, it really was Jerem, my Jerem, you went. Come on. No, I was like 10. Come on. Come on. I'm a doctor. I know these things. You said a few years ago when you were 10. Weird. Yeah. You it were wasn't a, me. You were a young fan, weren't no, you? No, what I'm saying is like you, you, if you were 10 and it was a few years ago, so are you like 14 now? <laughs> Don't make him mad. Don't make him mad. 
<laughs> you guys, we'll do this in session next time. No, you don't understand. This is what we'll talk about. He is the master of technicalities. If I say anything like that, I, I get, how many I get called out. Several? I don't know. Hey, what do hey, you call 15 years? Speaking, speaking years. of technicalities. 25 years ago? I, uh, I don't know the year, though. Oh, <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Stick with me for a minute. Here. <laughs> We're going to get technical. Let's get technical. <laughs> I'm going to give you a technical. Are you guys going to fight? No. We never do that. Uh, we've got pay-per-view up here. We can watch the whole thing. Okay. Do you have uh, – are you going to have pay-per-view for Pacquiao Mayweather? Oh, yeah. For sure. i got to find a, watch, a place to watch that. Well, you know what? We're just going <laughs> to stream it here at BYU Broadcasting. <laughs> Watch it on Studio C's big screen. <laughs> we'll, Fall down the see the gun in the world. HD. We'll, we'll put it on. We'll put it on BYU Sports Nation tab. No, not a big deal. We're we're with Seabass, so we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. See, see, guys. Here's the deal. I I'm driving. Yet last week, I we didn't do a little. We didn't connect last week on Friday because I was driving to spring break. However, Wait, I had a spring break. You didn't take okay. a very long one. I know I didn't. Topic for another day. I know. Okay. But I was listening. To your show. And there was some bad news on the show. Oh, very, really? very bad news. <sighs> so I wanted to just spend a second talking about that. Here we go. Maybe, Jerem, maybe you just tell us the bad news. Spencer can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> or Whatever, I'll do it. Well, I was just trying to save Spencer's ego. Okay. No, it was no. It's, Listen, it's you only up. motivate me. You just add your list. Add your name to the list of people that are motivating me to break five seconds in my forty-yard dash. Yes, the official results came in. I ran a five-point-three-five second, and he is unbroken forty-yard dash, which is fast. Okay, really. here's the thing: into a headwind <laughs> on aerated yeah. grass, right in corduroys, <laughs> in, cut off corduroy. in the wrong gear. Yeah. Not on again. Not on artificial turf. Uphill. Let's, uphill. Let's do this. Let's do this in the right conditions yeah. with the right gear. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. But you didn't. You didn't pull a hammy. No. That was the good news. This, yeah. I was healthy. But five after, three. That's well that's a good left. score. Time Depen- depends on who you ask. Yeah. Depends. I mean, I her all weekend long. Everyone's like the things that are faster than Spencer. Molasses, <laughs> slow tar. Oh, that's oh, just really, so rude. dude. That's I rude. love that the people's voices. We we do this on the show quite often. If someone we disagree with someone and we quote them, all of a sudden they sound odd. You know? Yeah. Well, hey, what do you think? Of it? What? <laughs> well, do you want, do you want to be like going to beat it? Spencer, you're slower than molasses. I know. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. The weird voice. You know, like, yeah, wow, we love that the person. Weird sounds voice. weird. That's how I made. That's my whole history in radio is the weird voice. The weird voice. <laughs> that's hey. the only reason I've got the job I do. WJGI eighty nine point one. So you're you're going to redo it, and I think I heard Jerem mumble under his breath, "Hey, maybe I'll even try it next time." Yeah, I think we're both going to do sure. everything that is available. I'm not going to say what day. time I think I'm going to run, though. I'm just going to run. I think I think it was a great effort. Okay, Why see, set a goal? Then maybe I'll achieve it and progress right. in my life. Right. Okay, see, okay, knowing what I did. Mm-hmm. And what I ran, Jerem. What do you think you would run in the similar in similar there. conditions? I'm not going there. I'm not. You're not going to go. You won't you even guys, like say. Like, you're fighting guess? I shan't you're fighting create again. expectation. You're not an expectation. I'm just asking this. you to like say because you have a gauge now of what I did. Like it's it's different than if you were just going out on a limb and saying this is what I run. You know. You know what else you guys talked about to the on the show the, the other day? The, this show, your show. Hmm. You, mm-hmm. you guys mentioned you you got in a little fight, which which was more embarrassing. Not getting the right score, Spencer, or Jerem's haircut. 
clearly my haircut because it's been six weeks. But it and looks I'm not good. Even back. I'm not even back. No, I like it now. I got some bangs, though. I'm I know. Like, I've sweet, seen I can do something with that. She bang. She bang. Exactly. <laughs> I like your bangs. Ricky Martin. <laughs> um, so if, if, uh, if we – here's the deal. I think we ought, to, we ought to just love each other for who we are. You two need to hug it out. Oh, trust me. We, and there, rub, is, there is nothing but love here. I can feel it. It's all an act. Do you guys still have a show today? I think. Um, what are you guys going to talk about? Well, exciting stuff like BYU's biggest road trip of the season and why. Yeah, Matt, mm-hmm. if you could pick one football game to go to on the road to watch BYU play. Notre Dame. They don't play Notre Dame this year. No, oh, this year. Oh, for real. Year. I thought we were making one up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of the ones they play this season. Now, the thing is, like, they're not far off from Notre Dame. They play at Michigan, mm-hmm. for one. Tons of tradition history. Yeah. Let's go in order. At Nebraska to open the season. Yeah. At UCLA and the Rose Bowl on September mm. 17th. At Michigan the next week. Mm. At Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri, the home of the Kansas City Chiefs to play Missouri and SEC team. Okay, like, okay. All four of those yeah. and then have there are two others that don't matter. Michigan. At San Jose State and at Utah State. So we're not even including them in the conversation. Uh-huh. I'm going to Michigan. That's that's the one I think is the that, fans will resonate with and the one that I agree with. There's so much history there. That yeah, stadium is the number that's the largest football stadium in America. Yeah. See, for me, like that's no question that's the best stadium. Venue, but is right. it the road best trip? Is it the best, best road no. trip? No, no. I, I think too, I also think well, road trip though. But I think it'll it might be more fun for the BYU fans to go to to UCLA. Beach, LA, Rose Bowl. Right, right. That and that that's Super true. BYU's played that game before, so it's not as enticing initially, That's true. I think. That's true. Because BYU's played there. Granted, it's been a couple of years. I think 07 was last time. UCLA is projected to be the highest ranked team on BYU's schedule this year. Mm, so, see, again, that's a pecking order. And then, do, do you go Arrowhead Stadium in St. Louis? Granted, St. Louis in November is not the most ideal. Yeah, that's kind of cold. Wait, in St. Louis or Kansas City? Oh, it's Kansas City. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kansas City. But so let's be honest. Mormons, church history sites, that's a draw, right? For that's that a draw. Trip. It's also a little scary. A lot of stuff went down there. Yeah. Adam on down, as cool as it is, it's a bunch of fields. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Been Any, there, done that twice. Uh, anyway, we'll let you guys cover that on your show. Let you cover that on yeah. your show. Yep. Like Far West. We're going to build that or what? <laughs> How far do we have to go? <laughs> How far West? <laughs> you guys are great. Hey, um, have a great show. Thank you, Dr. Matt. I, I appreciate the effort of both of you, the hair and the running uphill in the wind both ways. Under five seconds going to happen. I know. I believe it. I totally believe it. And if you ever need me to drive you under five seconds, I'll do it anytime you want. <laughs> Noted. Put that on a meme. Um, thanks, guys. Good stuff. See, we don't ever do anything exciting like that. We need to do something where we try to break a record or we have one of you shave your heads. Terry? What about you? What? Shave what? your head. No. Why not? No, because I'm the talent. Okay. I can't even say that. Let's have James shave his head. James, shave your head. That's pretty, That's kind of – that's too drastic. I'll just say that. Let's have Don. Ooh. You think Don will shave his head? We could ask. Let's go talk to Don about shaving his head. So we need to make a wager, Matt, over something where if I win, you shave your head, and if you win, I shave my head. Okay. Or let's do it in, a, in an even better way where if I win, I shave your head. And if you win, we you go buy donuts. That doesn't wow. sound like you understand how it works. Let's actually. have a wager about your upcoming – your pending nuptials. OK. I'm going to bet 
that an awesome dancer grabs your new wife by the hand, twirls her into his arms, and tangos with her in a tuxedo purchased by the Birdsall family. Okay. And what, what are you – okay. What are and you wagering? I will wager uh, if that happens that you owe me dinner. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, I get to shave your head. <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. So you're saying that that not only would you go Because you think it's not happening. W- you would go and dance with my wife at my reception, yeah. dancing the tango. Kind of a father, not, a, not the bride, father-bride dance, but kind of the surrogate father. Creepy uncle? Cre- no, no, more yeah, better no. than – even, even better uncle, than creepy just uncle. Creepy. Just, just creepy. Just creepy show host. And then I have to take you out to dinner afterwards. If I do that. If you do that. Well, he, know, he said someone in a, in a suit. Oh, so not – Necessarily so it could be anyone Matt. in a suit that your family, mm-hmm. a tuxedo that we acquired. For. So okay. when you dance with her, that would fulfill the requirements of the someone. Mm-hmm. So you dance with your wife, you buy him dinner. But I have to dance the tango. Oh right, the tango, or your version. See now he amends it. <laughs> he I, I know you don't know the tango like I know the tango. I mean, if you knew the tango like I know the tango, it'd be crazy. You'd be taking me out to dinner. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, we shouldn't wager, but yeah, right. just, if yeah, you want, but... if you want to lose that bet, then take it. Then take it. <laughs> or if not, if you win the bet, I'll shave your head. Seems fair. Yeah, that sounds like a great deal. And I think Don would like that bet better than shaving his head. You know, I feel like I lose either way. Oh no! Have you ever done the tango? No, but but if I win or lose, I either shave my head or buy you dinner. How is buying me dinner losing? Are you with me? No, that's heaven on earth, man. I'll even I'll I'll bring you a present. Oh, okay. I'll I'll bring you guys a present. Terry, go get him a present. And bring him to the wedding. Put my name on. Off to the uh, gas station, I am. They like slim something gins. Qual- slim, slim gins. Yeah, oh, they can't. Some get of those them. air freshener trees. Mm-hmm. We can get those. Love right. them. Okay, we're out of here. That was fast. Man, time flies when you're planning a wedding. Thanks, folks. Can't do the show without you. Join us again tomorrow, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Or hey, go podcast us. Look us up. We're in the podcast section of your local grocery store. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, take care. We'll talk to you then.